I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing the NRL tour. Back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, and we're on the late night shift box head. Oh, yes. We are, buddy. But we get it done. Uh, long day, but as always, Tuesday's the time to get it out. Fifth and last NRL podcast. Look for us, as always, Audio Boom, iTunes, now on Spotify, still expanding on other platforms. The rates and the reviews, especially on iTunes, Brock, starting to see a little bit more come through now. People starting to get on board, which is nice. Some really, really good feedback. Keep it coming. And as always, as we've said a million times, any questions, any feedback, any bits and pieces, we're open to it. You know where the inbox is on Facebook, 5th and Last NRL Podcast. And if you want to get us on Twitter, it is at 5th and Last. But we kick off as we always do with our set of six, six topics, questions, opinions, anything we want to talk about to start the week off. If you're a first time to listen to the 5th and Last, welcome. If you've been on board for the long haul, well, good times and welcome back, mate. But tackle one. Um... The carnage continues. The injuries, Brock, last week we've had a big spate. This week we've had another big heap, and in particular to a couple of those top teams again, or teams that have been contending. The Raiders, they can't seem to be cut any slack. Emre Goulier and Soliola, uh, they got worst-case news on both. Mm-hmm. Soliola's facial fractures, they are hoping initially they'll be six to eight weeks. He's now looking at 12 to 16 weeks, so possibly the end of his season, possibly the end of his career. They are talking about a new deal, but now they're not sure. Uh, Gula, worst case scenario, I think it's a fractured ankle or a broken ankle, so he's in a boot for minimum six weeks, looking at ten. Matty Moylan, Sharks now four and one, uh, getting some wind on the board. Hamstring only a couple of weeks later, four to six weeks. Brian Toto, red hot winger from Penrith, damaging in yardage. He's now looking at eight to twelve. They're not sure yet. Has to see a surgeon, mm. and then uh, Souths, who obviously are still kind of fighting the bottom end of the eight there. Braden Burns. <laughs> That knee injury, he's possibly out for the season. Dislocated kneecap. Adam Elliott, been a terrible week for poor Adam. The video came out first, which leaked. <laughs> he's trying to get a new contract, and now he's possibly going to be having a shoulder reconstruction. So it really hasn't been a friendly week to Adam Elliott. No, hasn't been a friendly week to any of those players. So, no. But I guess Andrew this is Lee, just... I forgot um, as well. Broke yeah, arm. broken arm. So he's looking at a stint out as well. This is just part of the journey. In a season, you know you're going to get injuries, and you just hope that... They're not significant or to your, you know, most vital players. So Roosters, Tupo, I forgot as well. That's been yeah, surgically repaired. Syndesmosis, but the surgery recovery time has been explained, I think, by the NRL physio. He's got some really good stuff there. That's actually got a really quick turnaround time these days. So right. initially that used to be like a 12-week injury or more. I think he said with the surgery that he's had now, there's a possible he'll be back in six weeks. Yeah, got a pretty well, handy replacement in Ryan Hall coming in. So Ryan Hall. He'll actually get a finally get a real good stint week to week rather yeah. than coming in and out. Someone last time, I can't remember which commentator, was going on about the fact he hasn't scored. I'm like, forget about tries. 
all these people that are obsessed yeah. with fucking tries. Do you watch his yardage work? Do you yeah. see what he does and how physical he is? Like the games he's played, he's been pretty good. He's he made one like bad defensive read the other week or whatnot, but yardage is the best part of his game. This continued stint that he's going to get now as a result is probably a good thing for Ryan Hall. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of injuries, especially a couple again, like we used to talk about some of those sides that are up near the top end. I think everyone's basically got some cover. The hardest hit right now, you'd have to say, is the Raiders and their forward pack. They've already got Bateman, who's had to have surgery again and potentially leaving. Does he play again? Horsberg, now you add Soliola and Gula on top of that. Uh, things are definitely getting thin in the Raiders forward pack. Oh, they are, yeah. They've had to now call in other players and it is getting a little bit thin, but hopefully they can get themselves into a decent position come finals and then they get some of these guys back. Yep. Sharks, Will Kennedy, he's obviously played some time there. He could possibly come in. Josh Dugan can reshuffle there. I'm still not really convinced. I know they've been getting some results, but they've played some lower-end teams. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out for them. Toto's been awesome for Penrith, but the upside, again, when you've got a deep roster, is a reshuffle. We had a guy like Naden who couldn't get in. <clears throat> he'll now find his way back into the team. Uh, Faray's injury last week. I'm not sure if that's a long-term one, but he'll find his way back in as well. So those guys will cover. The Roosters one we've already covered on. Burns was benched this week in lieu of Roberts, but I guess it's just a cruel injury for a guy who's been showing some promise and he's had a couple of uh, bad injuries the last few seasons. And poor old uh, Adam Elliott, like we said, just a bad week in general, the poor bastard. So fingers crossed things work out for him and he gets the surgery done and plenty of clubs still interested. There's been talk today that the Tigers are now throwing their hat in the ring. The Dragons have been linked to him. The Raiders have been looking into it. So after the Bulldogs apparently low-balled him last week, they've definitely got some competition to keep Adam at their club. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Carnage again, but probably the last thing I want to finish on here, I had a couple of people messages going again. Is this the change in the rules, the speed of the game, all these bits and pieces? Those sort of things you more put back on injuries, you know, soft tissue injuries and muscle and bits and pieces like that. Like syndesmosis or your leg getting trapped, breaking an arm. Matt Moylan, you know, that is a soft tissue injury, but he's a repeat, repetitive injury on the same hamstrings. So I don't think any of these are really ones you can point out and look at and go, it's due to the pace of the game or the change in the rules or fatigue. Basically, all the injuries that happened, uh, you know, just part of football, unfortunately. Yeah. But, yeah, and you're never going to know. No. <clears throat> it's a bit of a... It's a recycled argument that gets brought up whenever there's a big glut of injuries. Mm. Uh, I, I would have thought if there was going to be... We're now six weeks in. I would have thought that they, there would have been... A spate of injuries, if it was for under-preparation, um, it would have been, you know, around that two- to three-week mark. Yeah, hamstrings, groins, calves, all yeah. those kind of soft tissue injuries, stuff like that, but it hasn't been that much. <laughs> Tackle two, moving on, as we do, and uh, fingers crossed the injury toll slows up for the competition, but tackle two, we have to talk about it. BJ Lua, we know he's got a good brain snap in him, but uh, he just proved the point again on the weekend as to why the Raiders got rid of him. Why I was confused that I know the Tigers had money in the offseason, but why he would be the sort of bloke you'd be looking in to rebuild that culture, and he's just proved the point again. Ten years in the league and nothing's changed. He's a moron. There's not much he's else to complete moron. Said and- Thug. And, you know, the way he carried on after what was an accident, Coruscant's hit was high and caused concussion. No argument there. Uh but it was an accident. He was falling in the tackle. Yeah, he barely and clipped the end of it. He incited a near all-in brawl by going over and then pushing Coruscant when Coruscant came across to sort of offer his condolences, I guess, and sort of apologies to um, BJ when uh, Luciano was still down on the ground. And, you know, you just you just wonder what goes through his head. And then you could just see him for the rest of the yeah, game. He was, he was looking over. to... You know, abuse referees, abuse touch judges, push blokes, 
niggle. I don't know how many times, um, and you know, I, I don't have the time to spend and waste on this, but if you've got time to go back and watch a game, watch how many times in a tackle, either getting up or at any stage during the tackle, he Knees. puts his knee in someone's head. Yeah, it was well, a lot of dumb shit. And every play the ball, he yells at a touch judge. And the other thing as well, it rubs off on those around you. Like, Nofaluma was very vocal a lot of times as well and talking to touches and doing bits and pieces. It's not the kind of bloke you want around your team. Look, and, you know, where um, we coach at the club, we're in the junior grades at the club, but I certainly, I don't agree with his signing. No. At all. And, you know, and then the way he carried on, the way he hit Dylan Edwards off like off the ball, he was defenceless. Yeah, it was just... Wasn't expecting stupid. it. Like, Purely plain stupid. So he's now out for, what, four weeks? I think it's four. Uh, I can't remember. It was four or six. I think it's four. Like yeah, but yeah, like plain and simple, let's put it this way. You pay that money to get somebody in. I didn't agree with the fact that they were willing to pay big dollars for him, but the only people you hurt now is your team. He's lost the game, which is bad enough, but then you get yourself suspended long-term. Just yeah. stupidity. And they're locked into him now. They've bought into him. That's on Maguire and the club for getting four weeks. But, you know, you, you take that risk when you bring him on board, and I didn't understand at the time. I also brought the fact that I thought Luciano had great potential but hadn't reached it yet. I'm willing to say that that's been a success so far. He's got himself in a shape. He's played some pretty good football. He's probably exceeded what I expected him to get to. But Joey, I definitely didn't agree with, and the proof's in the pudding again with the attitude on the weekend. And that's me first. That's selfish. That's stupidity. Nothing to help his team. Uh, it was just completely unnecessary. But yeah. the only team... And look, publicly, Madge isn't going to throw him under the bus, but I, I, I think privately would have Oof. had some pretty harsh words to say to him, but... Again, I mean, how many how many clubs has he been at? How many times has he behaved like this? How many times has he get that chance? In the end, if you're a part of the West Tigers organisation, can you really be surprised that that's what nah. transpired? Because he's, he's just got it in him. That's what that's who, that's what he is. Mm. You know. Um, so I, I I don't know what what else to say. I, I can't really add much more to it. In that I just wasn't surprised, and it was dumb. And it soured what was a pretty good game. And I was going to say, there was plenty of feeling in the game, but it was good feeling. There was a little bit of niggle and aggression and probably a few bits and pieces, but that kind of just ruined it in the end. Yeah, it did. And it incited more, like you said, with the I didn't ruin it, but it was just a set, left a sour taste at yeah. the end of the game. It was a really, really gritty game, an enjoyable game up to that point, but that was just uncalled for. So, uh, yeah, I understand the whole thing with his brother and the bits and pieces, but let me tell you, unless somebody blatantly took you out, you know, Clearly, I'd be upset and you'd be emotional, but I still wouldn't have handled it that way and also wouldn't hit someone off the ball. I would have been looking to get someone, as we say always, do it fairly. Do it with a good carry and knock someone flat on their ass. Do it with a good shot, get off your line and put a good hit on. Mm. Do it in a way that rewards your team and also uses that emotion or that aggression that you've got pent up. Channel that somehow to make it useful rather than punishing your own club who are paying your bills, paying your wages, and now you're of no use to it. It was just dumb. So... The track record continues, unfortunately. And another thing to come out of this game, uh, the Ivan Cleary reaction. And there's been some mixed bits and pieces in the media, and I'm not surprised about some people's agendas, but I'm surprised by a couple of journos who were saying last week how good it was to see Corey Herzberg showing passion and flipping fans off, but they've got a problem with Ivan blowing some kisses to a guy that's throwing F and C bombs. And well, and the blokes that abused him has apologised. So, you know... Oh, it was ridiculous. It, and, like, all these do-gooders, you know, oh, was, uh, James Hooper yeah. got on. Yeah, of course, oh, he's a Tigers fan. Well, you know, it's in bad taste, bad taste. It's like you're just a, you're looking for drama. You're looking to spin things up so you can um, draw attention to yourself and just draw attention to things that don't need to uh, be spoken about. It it was funny. It was. Um, it, it was, was good between, to see a reaction. It he's... was between Ivan and the bloke. Hmm. Um, you know, and the guy had a kid with him the kid who Ivan had given a thumbs up to. Yep. 
And then the bloke's abused Ivan, so Ivan's blown a kiss at him. Like, whoop de doo And he pointed at the Fuck me death. There's a lot worse things you can do. Honestly. And the argument of, oh, but he's a coach. He should be better than that. And do Wayne Bennett no, and Robinson and all these guys went to that wall. Be- Bellamy's in there every week dropping F-bombs. <laughs> I'm doing God. Yeah, we're not, like, we're not. Yeah, exactly. You know, just... And of all people, they always say, oh, there's no personality, this, that, the other in the game. Ivan and then you get it. He gives you nothing. He gave a small little it. reaction, which was barely anything. He blew a kiss and pointed to the scoreboard. God. Like, you know, sour grapes and fair enough. Look, I, I understand he the left ra- the I understand the rage of West yeah, Tigers fans. I get that. I'm not arguing that point. And but. they've got every right to voice their rage. 100%. But that's between the fans and Ivan Cleary. Mm. It's not like... We've had our say thing. on, yeah. you know, how Ivan left the club. That's now in the past. Move on. Yeah. You know, and there's West Tigers fans that are going to take a significant uh, longer amount of time to probably get over, get over it. Yeah, that's that's their cross to bear, not ours, or not anyone else's in the media, and not anyone else who needs to peddle a, an agenda. Yep. And again, um, everyone was happy to lay the boot in last year, and Hooper was one of them, and everyone that you know it's going bad, and he should be sacked, and they've made a mistake, and this, that, and the other. But he flipped the roster. He's got in there. He debuted eight or nine players last year. He got Coruscant back this off season. He put faith in the process of what he was looking for, and he handed the team to his son and Jerome Luai and moved Maloney on, which was always part of the plan anyway, but they're bearing the fruits right now. They're heading in the right direction. So, again, there was a lot of noise 12 months ago that I sucked into Ivan. They got pumped by the Tigers. It's all backwards. He's in trouble. He's not the man for the job. Sack him. Rah, rah, already. Things are very, very quiet this year. So, But this little bit there, like I just was really surprised. I'm like, if he flipped off a kid or a man or F-bombs and got out of the box and yelled at him, but again, they were happy to laugh when Jeff Toovey banged on the glass because some fans harassed You know, or Des tears like, a door off the wall. Yeah, you know? it's like, you know, pick and choose your battles when it suits. No, we I'd, pick and choose when it's okay and when it's not. Yeah, and I had no problem with it. But yeah, for some of the media to carry on the way they did, I, I just thought I was actually happy to see a reaction. And it was good. It was, I thought it wasn't in too bad a taste. It was a simple blow of the kiss after a really, really good game of football, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and yeah, a bit of a reaction out there. Some people may disagree, <laughs> but again... Nothing better than seeing a bit of emotion and, again, channeled in a funny way or a good way rather than a negative. So uh, compared to the Joey Leilua thing, I definitely didn't have a problem with that, that's for sure. Yeah. Tackle four, uh, one I did have a problem with and obviously a lot of people, but I've seen some things today which surprised me and are people's opinion on it is Fanua Blake um, and his tirade at the referees and then the second part that apparently happened off-field in the tunnels and then on top of that, you know, there was the bunker blunder in the game, but... For any Manly fan out there, and I've seen a few people blowing up today about that, saying we were robbed. You were robbed of the penalty, yes, but you weren't guaranteed to win. Were you denied an opportunity to take it to golden point? Yes, but they need to kick the goal first. So let's just strip that back and not immediately go with some of the things I saw with people going, we were robbed of a win. You weren't. You needed to get the penalty, which you should have, yes. Yeah. You need to kick the goal, and then you need to win a golden point. There were still layers to get to it. Were you denied the opportunity to take it to golden point? Yes, you were. I'm not going to deny that fact. Do I think Garrett kicks the goal? The way he's been kicking this year, I think unlikely. But I agree that you deserve the chance. I'm with what they've said. It probably was a penalty. In fast motion, I thought maybe it was you know kind of simultaneous that he got there. Hoy come across to cut him off. Either way, I didn't think there was any way they were getting to the ball. But it was a penalty. But I don't agree with the fact that it was made out like they were robbed like the forward pass. The forward pass was wrong, but after the fact and live, as we said, it's one of those calls that was hard to make. They made a call, which is what we asked for this year, with less of the bunker, more referee on field calls. The one on the weekend did not completely rob them of a loss. There was no... Uh, sorry, a win. There was no win guaranteed. Uh, robbed them a chance of a penalty. Yes. I thought it was a penalty, uh, but that's my opinion. I respect 
I thought it was many, a penalty. Many people who don't think it was a penalty because I certainly don't think it was clear cut. Uh, I, I thought, in my opinion, Bradman Best had a chance to pull out of the push. Yep, I agree. Uh, and with that push, he denied the Manly player a chance to potentially score. I think McCulloch gets there anyway. Uh, but I just don't see why Best pushed him and denied him that chance, particularly when McCulloch was, I think, easily going to be the the, uh, the first man to the ball. So they were denied a chance to kick a sideline conversion. I wouldn't have backed Ruben Garrick in to kick it anyway. And then even if they did kick it, it would have gone to golden point and it's a 50-50 game anyway. Yeah. So they're probably a, you know, a one in one in two or three chance of kicking the goal and then there are one or two a chance of winning. So... They haven't been robbed at all. It's not like they've been robbed um, a win. No, nah. and then the reaction <laughs> afterwards in particular. So dudded like... a chance, dudded a penalty, yes. But obviously, I mean, I don't see people carrying on about penalties that they were dudded in any other aspect of the game. It's only the ones at the end of the game. Mm. And they, all have a, they all have an impact. Let's be fair. They had injuries. They had an opportunity to run them down no different to Canberra. Should have got yeah, them a couple they, of they weeks They had ago, all the running didn't... in the last 15, 20 minutes of that game. They couldn't find a way. But no. the, the Adam Fenua-Blake situation is unexcusable. The fact that he went on such a tirade, in particular at the on-field referee who set it up for a referral on the bunker made the decision. Yeah. Um, just. But again, watch that incident. Like, yeah, I know Fenua Blake's the one that's been highlighted, but yeah. there's several manly players DCA, that are in Jake the face Kovovich. and are antagonising referees. It's yeah. a terrible look. And it's not the first time that DCE and Trebojevic in particular yeah. have carry. done that. They just carry on, get in the faces... And, and act like the referees owe them some sort of uh, an ex- explanation. Mm. Whether the call's right or wrong, they don't owe the players an explanation. They've made the call, get on with it. And their frustration was been vented in this situation at the wrong person because they didn't make the call. They sent it to the bunker. He put it up for the opportunity so the bunker could and have the a bunker look. Then... it all happened in fast motion and he wanted someone to be able to have a look at it. Whether it was the right or the wrong call to yeah. react the way they did. And then after the fact, they obviously... Went back into their shells Well, between quickly. three officials, okay, so you've got the on-field referees who said, we don't really know, we'll send it to the bunker. The bunker then said, um, happy with it. Yep. Graham Mannersley then comes out and says, not happy with it. You've got three different elements of yeah. the officiating crew within the NRL who all have a different opinion. Mm. So it can't be clear-cut. Mm. And the outlying thing here, and obviously it's caused some offence, uh, is Adam Fanua Blake's use of wording. Well, to use the word retard and spastic... Mm is simply highly offensive. Mm. And whether and they think it's not and again, people are trying to defend it, nah, they wouldn't dumb. have known if the papers didn't write and this and that and it shouldn't stay off the field. Well, you're wrong, full stop. The one thing on the field is one thing, but in the tunnels afterwards, sure, if we didn't find out about what was said in particular or the terminology, it's even worse to me as a player if I was a coach that if one of my players off the field then went after the referees a second time because the number one thing out of all of this is to carry on like that on TV, and week after week, we say this again, kids watch the football. So when people see that and think that's okay to all run over and get at the ref, and then in particular the way he carried on and his wording, that, yeah, that's look, the nothing, nothing rolls my blood more than seeing incidents of bullying um, which are caused and enabled by this sort of behaviour. I, I guess, wonder why kids don't want a referee. What we talk about again yeah. in the years past, not only the, all the abuse they cop in general. But I'm more talking about you know, like the fact that he says spastic and retard. Yeah. You know, if kids then are going to school with, you know, children with special needs and um, and it normalises that behaviour, it normalises that vocabulary mm. because, you know, an NRL player did it. And whether they like it or not, they're not, they're not role models, but 
their their behaviour yeah, is modelled. Is modelled because kids are watching the football. And no different, like we said again, you, you have that sort of reaction, getting into a ref and yelling and swearing and carrying on and making that seem as though that's what NRL players do. I'm going to do it as well. Like I said again, you, you, we always talk about how you want kids to want a referee or people to get involved with that. There's already enough nutbags in the world, whether it be crazy parents, people at the grounds, officials, all the shit they have to deal with on the weekends, let alone seeing that and having that rub off on kids or people that are watching the game. It was a bad look all around. Bad on that side of things. Bad, like you yeah. said, in terms but of... But also the, just... Ben Eichen nailed it last night on 360, yeah. just saying um, <clears throat> that they've really missed the mark in terms of who this has offended. Yeah, 100%. Um, and there are hundreds and thousands of um, fans who have disabilities mm. who get out to the games and support yep. and are probably the most passionate supporters of our game. Yep, and they'd be, like you said... So it's... Fans, you're actually you're kicking, you're kicking the lifeblood of our game mm. with that sort of vocabulary. It's simply disgusting. And then the fact that they've manly then released a statement and said he's gone in and apologised was complete horseshit because he's had the second he, go. Go, he had two goes. Mm. So the second lot um, has only been leaked or, or brought out in the media in the last couple of hours. <clears throat> um, well, sorry, it was Ray Hadley this morning. I think it was leaked the referee's report. Yeah, which yeah, stayed around. Um, but the NRL's come out and said they're going to charge him with an anti-vilification. Yeah, uh, which will be a separate. It's an off-field charge. incident. Um, so he got two weeks, but he's I had it. I else. had it on and off with someone on Twitter before about you know the fact that they're sort of going, well, what's the difference? It's the same thing. Well, it's it's not. One's on-field, one's off-field to start with, mm. and the fact that he's had his outbursts on the field, and then he's gone um, again, and then he's gone again. So he's obviously has no regret for his behaviour on the field because he's just gone in and doubled down on it in the tunnel. No. And like I said, uh, <clears> someone today was saying, oh, well, if we didn't get the comments, good one, Fox Sports, or good one, that if you guys didn't put yeah, that, we wouldn't know about it's this. not not the behaviour, it's, it's someone yeah. else's fault. And it wouldn't worry about the wording, and that's the thing I said before. Forget the choice of words. If the referees copped it again off the field, they still would have put the report in, whether we knew what he said or yeah. not. The fact, like you said, he was willing to carry on again There's two separate, for a second, yeah. second time. Forget all the other bits and pieces, now you want to frame it and trying to make excuses for it. The behaviour, the game was over. He got sent off. He should have just gone to the dressing room and stayed there. So and if he's yeah, had a second like crack, I, I saw some worse. stuff there saying that, you know, we're now going to go and have him work in special needs schools or with... If I'm someone oh, with special needs, him. I don't fucking want him around nah, anyway. Not if go, I'm like, you're only doing it because you've... Yeah, you've been forced it. You've been... Exactly. Like, there's plenty of other players out there actually who are out there doing good things within those communities without having to be forced to do it because they're socially aware um, and they are empathetic towards the people in those situations, not just these morons, well, let's go and send him to a special needs school. Like, honestly, how about, no, how about we just punish him Mm. for his behaviour? And because, to be fair, I I think it'll actually, it'll enhance him, it'll be a positive experience for him to go um, to a special needs school because he'll probably have a good time and probably connect with these people, understand that, um, you know, they are the most passionate and probably loving supporters within the game. Mm. Um, so I don't think he deserves to go there and spend time with um, special needs people, to be fair, mm. because it's an insult to them. That's my take on it anyway. Yep. Totally agree. And uh, again... And it, to me, he deserves at least four weeks. Yeah. Was he, he got two for the first one. He got off lightly. Uh, sorry, three, but he was going to get off because he's he's going to North Queensland and... He's not going to be able to play anyway because he's an anti-vaxxer. 
which is a whole other argument. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think he should get the three and then he should get at least another two on top of it for this. So he should, he should spend five weeks out, in my opinion. Yep. A lot of people disagreed. Some people agree. And then, like I said, the, the justifications for wording and the second thing and all that, like, that's just ridiculous. Plain they make simple, excuses for him. Behave better. Because this isn't the first time he's been in the headlines yeah. either. Be better. Behave better. And we know, like we said before, we want people to want a referee. We want people to respect referees. That's no. not the way. Regardless whether it was right or wrong, sometimes things don't work out how you want. But it couldn't have been handled any better on field. They referred it to the bunker because it all happened and there was a fair bit going on. The bunker made a decision. As you said, we've had two different opinions on whether it would happen. But at the end of the day, for them to act like you know it was a, a try situation or a guarantee, it wasn't. It was going to be a penalty. They were denied an opportunity to take it to Golden Point 100%. But the reaction from them, and as you said, DC, Jake, all those guys kind of running in and, and they carry on, it's a bad look all around. Yeah. So we'll leave that one. Tackle five, I hate to even bring it up. Some people are loving it. Some people aren't loving it. We've got a few people riled up last weekend. Everyone's doing it to death. I didn't see 100% footy last night, but I'm pretty sure I saw an article today that they did it again. Uh, 360, we saw a tiny bit before. They're obviously talking about it again. It's the Broncos. Mm. They lost again on the weekend. It's six losses in a row. Uh, you know, things didn't really look convincing during the game. Even when they got out to 10-0, I was never really convinced that they were going to get the win. They've got talk now. Paul White on Sunday, everyone was immediately jumping on that, saying that's going to be the sacking. They've come out and said, no, we're back in the coach. We're sticking by you know, our hire. It's a long-term move. There was talk last week, there's clauses, or is there a way they can get out of early? That was denied. Now they're saying there is clauses. Everyone's got clauses. I think I go back to the main point we've made, regardless of what's going on this whole time here. Brisbane need to shut the fuck up. Stop yeah. feeding them. They just. I I've been saying going, that for sort of four weeks. We demand answers and we demand this and we demand that. Like, it's like, well, you're getting the same stuff over and over again anyway. I don't mind like, the board talking. I don't mind Paul White yeah. talking, whatever. But Seabold and the playing group, just no talk. Yeah. Brad Fittler nailed it on uh, the footy show on Sunday. He said, get off social media. Get off all your phone. All the players, yeah. Get off all of it. You don't need it. It's If it's if it's making you cry after games and affecting you so deeply what everyone thinks about you and your form and the fact that you've lost six in a row, get off social media. Mm. Surely it doesn't mean that much to you that you need to put yourself through that sort of mental hardship. Yeah. Um, in the end, it's only a game. Uh, and I, I can't question their effort. I, I think they're playing without confidence, but I think their effort's pretty good. And, uh, and this is sport. This is what happens. Sometimes you lose games in a row and sometimes you win a stack of games in a row as well. You just... It is what it is. And I'm at a point, again, while we've defended some bits and pieces he's done, as we said before, I can't defend the selections anymore. I don't, I've don't. i said it before. I don't know if his hands well, are tight or what. Two weeks. But I looked at the lineup again today, and I know that Staggs is a maybe because he hasn't passed all these tests yet, but they still don't know for Feeder, Turp, and a few others. But like how Dearden, again, is not in the halves, I don't get it. How Boyd is not a part of that side. Just There's got to be something, even before a few of these guys become available. Something has to give. So I don't agree completely with all the selections. Didn't it be playing seven for me? Oh, easily. Would, um, would have been happening a long time ago. Yeah. Three Boyd wouldn't be in my side. I've said the same thing about the Oates situation. You can reshuffle that back line and not have Boyd there. I saw it was earlier. I think it was Pete Bedell when we were sitting here was saying, well, I've looked at the tackles. He's only missed seven. So on that with centre play, yeah. he's actually the second best defensive centre in the comp. Well, <laughs> cheers for that one, genius, and digging up a stat that doesn't matter. We're not talking when we've talked about some of the defensive reads on that edge as far as contact and actually making tackles, it's what you call a tri-cause. 
the position he gets himself in or the what he decides to do on that edge, yeah. which leads to a try. Go and watch Roos's game and tell me that him and Milford. Anthony Milford deserve to be playing. Like jumping in, it's not disgusting. staying square, being turned yeah, out. Not even like, bouncing out, no. not even making an effort. Well, it's, just it's not as simple as looking tackling at space, tackle not blokes. for some journo who's going, well, that's yeah. what I've come up with one thing. It's like, do you actually understand the technicalities of edge defense and what he's doing? Like, just... Well, forget about the technicalities. Worry about effort. His yeah. effort's been missing in, you know, at least half the games. Mm. And Milford started to run the ball the last week or two, but again, he needs some sort of spark up or a reminder. Croft, like, there's a lot of things going on, but there's no argument that regardless of who's available this week, did and should be playing there. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd have Milford at one just to make him run. I don't want you passing at all. Just yeah. run. And again, I'd have Oates out. I don't care if you move Azarco into the centres. And, and the fact that did go to seven would unlock Croft. Yeah. Just to run. Just to run. Get um, move Tessin here into the centres and drop Boyd. Problem There's solved. a few ways you could do it. But yeah, they seem to be persisting with the way they are. They definitely... I, I looked at it today. Round nine, they had penciled in for Turpin and possibly for Fafida. But Fafida's now tagged as possibly round nine to 11 and Turpin the same. The sooner <clears> they get a few more of those guys back yeah. to hopefully get on a bit, uh, just get some players on the field that will hopefully boost the performance in general. Is Look, we're too- going to be talking a hell of a lot more about the Broncos next week if they lose to the Bulldogs. Oh. I, I, I'm at- it'll just, it'll get, if it could double, it's going to double. Yeah, and I'm at the point now where <clears throat> I can't defend a lot of things he's doing, but I think it's at the situation where not even just wins in general, performances, what they do, if there is some sort of clause. I have no idea what Brisbane's going to do, but I'm kind of getting the feeling with the way things are going, like you said, if they lose next week, things don't improve and even if they do win a few games at the back end and secure for feeder and a few things that the club's worried about I'm still getting the feeling that he's possibly not going to be there beyond this season yeah I don't know again results will determine that I, I don't want to speculate on that so, because we don't know that that's the the cold hard facts are no one knows nah. whether he's going to be there at the end of this year it, it's all going to be determined by you know what they do to sit here now and say well he won't be there next year if they go on and win six eight 10 games, which I, I think is highly yeah, unlikely. Highly but we don't know that. It's six weeks ago, I wouldn't have sat here and said they're going to lose six in a row. So it's all, it's all very unpredictable. At the moment, I just think he, he's got to get the things right that he can control at the moment. And that's selecting and the best not- team, which I, I don't think he's getting that right. Um, and keeping the media at bay, which I think they're doing a better job of. Um but they, they need a performance, not a win. They need a performance. Like, if you walked away from that game on the weekend and thought, well, you know, they had a red-hot crack and they were unlucky to lose. And, well, that's what you know, that, like the game, the Manly, uh, the Manly game. game. The Manly game. I, I thought, like, there you, know, you go. There's perfect. some signs of life. But yeah. It's just de- deteriorated further from there, which just makes no sense. Yeah. So, again. And they ran into Newcastle, I think, the week after. And that was a, a little bit ugly. They competed for a little while. But then it's it's been the last two. Mm. That everyone sort of thought, well, you know, they'll they'll just beat up on the Titans and beat up on the Warriors. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that you're you're that's where you are at the moment. Yeah. As a club, you can't just talk about the youth and talk about you know all the talent that we've got. It takes time to develop NRL talent. You can't just have lower grade talent, pick it, select it in an NRL team, and it just flourishes and becomes straight away. It, it, that's not how it works. No. And we saw. Look at pro- Penrith. Penrith are the classic example of that. So are Parramatta. You need to put sort of two or three seasons into players like that With before they guys. then bump up into that. Yeah, that, as that we've level. said before, I don't think their older guys or their highest paid players are helping the situation. So it's a bit of a two way street at the moment. It's definitely not working. Yeah, out I, I don't buy them. into the whole age thing. I, I buy into the performance element. 
you need players that are performing, young or old. Yeah. Uh, then the reasons for why they're not performing are, are often different. Young, it's often that inexperience. Old, it's, yeah, that lack of effort, injuries, it's past them. Um, Complacency. Yeah, all that sort of Security, yeah. all the kind of bits and pieces. So you're fighting different battles here. Seabell's fighting significant battles with his experienced players for different reasons to what he's fighting with his younger players. Yeah. Well, I think one thing's for sure, and again, not everyone agrees, obviously, uh, on this topic. Some people are for, some people are against, some oh, people want look, Kevy, if you some throw, people you throw David Feeder and Tony Staggs in, they probably win the last two weeks. But I think one thing <laughs> can be said for certain, I'm sick of hearing about it. Yeah, me too. And unless something drastically changes until... Just uh, let it you know, play out. We get a couple of weeks <clears> down the road, and hopefully this <clears> guy, if all those guys come back, and that's basically what I'm looking at, and he can't get a response and things don't get any better, well, then it's pretty obvious, isn't yeah. it? But for now, you know, they're in between a rock and a hard place. But the one thing he could fix, and we've said this, I can't defend the selections right now. No, There yeah. still could be some changes, even with the injuries, but that's the way they're heading. So that's tackle five and tackle six. We'll finish off with our power rankings. Brock, I'll roll them in uh, this week to our set of six, and they are brought to you by the Penrith Solar Center. There's no one better than Jake and the crew there. Get on board. They say defense is the best offense. So what defense have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Center is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. And whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC is devoted to giving you control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Save thousands a year in energy costs. It may be the difference between good or great seats to watch your team in the grand final. Fingers crossed we can go to the grand final this year. Bloody COVID. Contact the team at Penrose Solar Centre today on 1800 2029 <laughs> to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season or get on the website at www.penrosolar.com.au. Jake and the crew there, there is no one better for Solar Boxhead. I don't have a lot of changes this week, um, so let's get right into it. Yep. Tackle, well, number one, I've still got the Roosters. Me too. I don't care about the injuries. Um, they led the Storm by 10 with seven to go. Should have yep. won. Two, still <laughs> Parramatta. Me too. Um, convincing win on the weekend showed that depth in the situation I spoke about last week that they've got options just about everywhere in their squad the only one we really have a question over is if they lost money they don't really have a hooker cover Yeah, I'm sure they'd find a way around it but other than that stack forward pack back line options couple of halves options looking good number three Penny Panthers me too three in a row um, again finding different ways to win this year and in particular doing something they wouldn't have done the last few years. I don't think they've been impressive the last two weeks. No, but, but they're won. winning ugly, mm. and that's the most important thing. Four, still got the storm. Yeah, me too. Uh, ticking along nicely. Didn't expect them to pull that game out, 10 down, and especially without Munster. But again, Craig Bellamy, Cameron Smith, the culture of the club, people come in, <laughs> yeah. do their job, and they play for 80 minutes. So, uh, Number five, who have you got? Knights. Yep. I've left Newcastle. Gritty on the weekend. Lost a couple of players. They're, they're the five clear cut. I'd be surprised if... You know, you might have those teams in a different order. Mm. Uh, well, probably the top four. I think the top four, you'd be pretty set on everyone. And if you've got them in different order, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've got them all on the same level, though. I think they can all win the competition, those four teams. Uh, five, the Knights, I don't think they can win it. No. Uh, but I'd New be surprised if anyone had anyone else at five. I think Newcastle have sort of <clears throat> justified their position there. They've been a little bit better than the teams that we're going to mention now. They've had a hiccup, but there's some good signs. Connor Watson's named in the 21 this week. Yeah, He'll be big. really handy off the bench for them. They've showed they've had some young guys that come into cover, like your Tex Hoys and these kind of guys. Yeah. And Mitch Barnett's not far off either. Well, it's just the Cowboys hiccup, wasn't it? So That's all. 
Yeah. Number right. six. I've got the Raiders. I've still got the Raiders. Despite the injuries, again, they've won a couple of games ugly. They haven't been overly impressive, but again, compared to what's That's going more, on under not, them. Not so much about what's ahead of them. It's about yeah, what's, what's behind, behind them. them. Yeah. And I agree with you 100% there. Now, seven and eight <clears throat> and the fringe of sort of that. What have you got? What do you got for seven? I, I haven't changed mine at all from yeah. last week. I've got Rabbitohs at seven, Tigers at eight. Well, I was going to say, I've left my seven and eight despite the results in the weekend. But I've almost got a grouping here where I'm going to say seven and eight. I've got the Eagles, and I've got South still. And the you reason the Eagles at seven, I've just left them there. I, I could have dropped them out, but I'm basically going to say it right now. I've got the Tigers and the Sharks on the fringe. Those four for me are interchangeable, and two of them we're going to see play this weekend. We're going to see the Tigers Nearly play enough. South. How many? Two in a row now. Yeah, without Tom, <clears throat> they're struggling there. They're definitely you're the missing a you're nine. You're a manly lover, mate. They've jagged that one against Canberra with a couple of injuries. I still think the wins of who they've beaten, some of them are more impressive than what I've seen from those other two so far. Tigers were gritty on the weekend, but, you know, they lose that game and now Joey so gets So you're suspended. saying you, you, who we got at eight, South? Well, I've just left it because they're playing this week. I think on... And you're going to tip Manly? When? This week? No, probably not. I don't, well, know. I don't even know they're playing. Mate. They're playing the Dragons. So I probably will tip them this week. Who? Manly. No, I thought you said the Dragons were play- uh, mainly were playing. I'm basically saying those four, I just didn't, South. I didn't change my mind. South and it. Tigers are playing. I think that's going to solve one issue. Yeah, and I, that's what I'm saying. I think you can make an argument for those guys. And the Sharks are four and one, but the teams they've beaten, I'm not that overly impressed by. They've beaten the Dogs. They've beaten four the Titans. They've beaten the Cows. Uh, they've lost to the Dragons and they've lost to the Tigers. They're four and four, aren't they? Since they resumed. They were four they, and two. They're four and one their last five. So they've had some wins, but a couple of them, again, against teams under them. They've beaten uh, the Eagles, obviously, last week yeah. in that game, which was a bit of a surprise. But a couple of blokes were missing in that situation. It's a great situation, game, because they, they didn't beat the best No, nah, but more so. in the way that you're saying. Looking from seven to kind of nine, those kind of four, I look at all of them and go, well, I think... But I'm they, not saying that at all. No. Nah. I Yeah, I, I'm not a believer in the Sharks until they knock off a top eight. No, nah, so same deal. And the Tigers, to me, they had a big fish on the weekend. They got close, but they didn't do it. This week... Yeah, they've competed with the Raiders and Penrith. I think they should beat the South. So if they do, they'll be in next week. Mm. But those four down there, I could have shuffled in and out in a way. Flip a coin on that game. I've got no... The six, like you said. I think the top four is easy. I think five and six pretty much sort themselves again from what you no, said I think six you. are easy. I think you can make an argument from seven, eight, nine, ten that those guys are there. The Cowboys, after showing good signs for one week, crashed straight back down to earth and probably gave us again another sign of those teams down the bottom. Uh, well, let us know, the fans. Yeah, Who do you agree with me or the Well, they're going to agree with you. Why? But Because no one's going to agree with what I've just said, but I just sat there today and basically thought, well... I don't know, know. I don't know how you've got Manly ahead of the Tigers, but that's I just okay. kind of sat there and thought, if they had a few more guys on board, I think they're a better team than the rest of them, so I've just kept them there. Fair enough. So, you know, if they lose to the Dragons this week, well, then clearly they're not going to be in, are they? But I think... You sure? They should find You're a route. just going to leave them there? <laughs> yeah, shut up, man. <laughs> leave yeah, seven down to ten. Those four for me are all interchangeable. So I've basically just left it for the time being. South Tigers this week. We'll see how the Sharks go against the Penny Panthers and the Eagles. They need to get back on the horse against the Dragons. So there you go. There's a power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Again, 1800 20, 29, 30. Give them a call today. Discuss how they can make you the real winners this season or jump onto the website www.penrithsolar.com.au. Reviews of the games from the weekend. Boxhead, this one, unfortunately, I didn't get to see in as great a depth as I would have liked to because I was working, but Storm Roosters. Everyone ran into Raven and said it was an absolute cracker, so I was a little bit heartbroken. It was a belter. The first, half, the first half was pretty sloppy. A lot of errors. I think it was 28 errors all up. 
throughout the game. But uh, Melbourne, I, I thought for probably the first 70 minutes of this game, Melbourne looked Oops. just slightly off Sorry. the pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just not quite as good as the Roosters. They The Roosters had sort of kick them down and, and skip ahead and then Melbourne would fight back. Uh, you know, I walked away thinking that Roosters are probably the better side, but Melbourne are just ultra committed, um, super gritty. It was interesting how they worked. They started with Smith in the halves and then moved him into nine at the back end of the game. Uh, but with seven minutes to go, the Roosters led by 10. The game looked over. Uh, and then he had an error from uh, Tupo, which gave them a repeat set. And then he had another error off Tupo from the uh, ensuing um, kickoff, which cost possession. So um, a lot had to go against the Roosters for the Storm to come back into it. But once Melbourne got a sniff, you just sort of felt as though they were going to come and win the game, and that's what ended up happening. You saw two of the most incredible field goals, pressure field goals. Like Kiri's was an absolute pearl, off 35 out. He absolutely piped it. And then Pappenhausen's um, off that controversial play the ball. I, I thought Brandon Smith knocked it on, but I don't think it was conclusive, and I'm not going to jump up and down about it. I don't think either team... Well, we haven't really heard anything from the Roosters. No, I don't, I don't think... It, so. it, no, and they're not going to make excuses. It's one of those ones. You could you could look at every play the ball and go, well, yeah. he dropped it. Did he, did, did he put it? his foot on the ball? Did like how many of those are we seeing? Yeah. Like, so I was happy that... Roll balls. We see so much dodgy It would have been a, a massive anticlimax if it ended that way. It was a little bit of an anticlimax in how it ended, but it was a right call. The referees made the right call. It was good to see them make a call during golden point as well, not just take the easy option there and go, well, you lost the ball, you didn't get to your feet. Um, do I think the better side won? I, th- I think the better side for the last 27 minutes probably won. Uh, sorry, for the last 17 minutes. So golden point plus the last seven minutes of, of regulation. And I think the Roosters, this is one that they, they gave away through errors and uh, just kept inviting Melbourne back into the game. And Trent Robinson said as much after the game. To me, it was very un-Roosters-like for that last period of the game. Usually just said, like, 10, 10 up with 7 to go. I know they're playing Melbourne, but yeah. you just... That's, you know, but again, house money. If you're going to complete in the 60s, Melbourne completed in the 80s, 18 errors to 10, 6 go. penalties to 3, like, yeah. discipline errors. If you give those sort of things to Melbourne, you know they're never going but, to go but away. But that, that then shows you the scope that you need, need to, beat to beat the Roosters. Roosters. And we spoke about this last week to people. It took everything. But also, this brings up the one thing we do know about a side like Melbourne. Melbourne will play you to the dying minute. And Melbourne's proved exactly what we said coming back from COVID. They may not have the best roster or the best squad, but if you're going to trust anybody to navigate this season and now being redirected up to the Sunshine Coast and play somebody on their day and get a result, if there was a team you were going to rely on besides the Roosters, it's the Storm. And without Munster, I was even more surprised to see the scoreline the way it is. But uh, from the bits and pieces I saw, the Roosters still definitely look like they were more effective as far as moving the football. They opened Melbourne up a few more times. They offloaded more. Like the line breaks is one thing that I took out of it when I watched the bits and pieces I did. Uh, Six line breaks to one. So they definitely had more love opening Melbourne up or moving Melbourne around. I still think Melbourne needs to make a few moves. Hughes, to me, is too good of a player to not have in your side. Again, he's probably not the answer at halfback, but we don't really have the seven. I like Smith playing at seven and getting Brandon Smith in there and that how that works out. Munster, if he comes back in and you keep going that way, you've got to find a spot for Hughes. The way I look at it now is Momorowski certainly has proved that he's the best center option we've got. 
if you can put Hughes on the left centre like we've talked about. He just needs to be on the field. Yeah. He's too good a ball runner. I think that there's a few small adjustments they could probably make. Again, having Harry Grant cancel his loan, bring him straight back and use all three of those guys would be ideal right now as well. But yeah. They've obviously made that agreement with the Tigers and it was for his development. Um, so that's not going to happen. But, you know, I guess the thing you saw in this one is two quality teams, great defense. This is one of the better defensive efforts intent-wise I thought I saw in the bits from Melbourne. They were certainly out for the contest. The Roosters, you know, Cordner, cops a head knock. They've lost Tupo now. Uh, they've had a couple of hard weeks. They're up for this one. But when does this game not deliver? These two playing each other is awesome. Yeah. There's different ways they play each other. We've seen some open affairs. We've seen some really dour ones. This one we've seen a bit messy and with some points. But what a last 10 minutes in this game. You couldn't have asked for a better 10 minutes. No, it was a belt up. You thought it was done. Melbourne find those two tries, like you said. Hughes cuts back against the grain. Roosters don't tie in. Momorowski goes up, gets that kick knocked back down and passed in by Hughes. Roosters, Flanagan knocks that goal over, which is an absolute corker from the sideline. Followed up with a field goal and you think, all right, game over. And then Pappenhausen. Smith does the sneaky. Pappenhausen hiding out the back, just pretending he's got nothing to do with it and just absolutely drills one. Um, and Jake Friend, uncharacteristic for him, but probably a little bit overzealous. Did Fanukan probably make it a little bit worse than what it was? Yep, but if you got your hand on there and you put that little bit of a push in, I guess you put yourself in that situation. So ideally, if I'm being honest, not being a buzzkill about Golden Point, I would have been happy for both teams to walk away with the draw from the fact that Melbourne can claw that back. So it's another one of those ones where I look at it and go, do Melbourne really deserve to win that? Like if you want to look at it and say, that, well, they dragged themselves back from two points, kicked the field goal, got themselves in the position to kick the penalty goal, then yeah, they do. But I still sometimes look at Golden Point and think for that game, is that the conclusion you really wanted? Mm. But two quality teams. I would have been happy with the draw. Yeah. Both the Smiths were outstanding. Brandon Smith, man, ball of energy. He's our equivalent of Victor Radley as far as that energy or that character guy I talked about last week for the Roosters who comes on or when he's on the field just brings that energy Defensive intent, some of his hits, the way he runs the football, he's a similar kind of guy just to have around your group that's infectious. Um, and for the Roosters, again, it's been, been a bit of a, a tough period with some injuries and some good opposition. Um, they lose no respect from anyone in this situation. No. Please. They'll readjust. Hall comes in for Tupo. I think Corden has been ruled out this week from concussion. They didn't play well. So if Liu is still out as well, I guess, you know, they've got to reach a little bit there, but they're playing the Cowboys. Again, I, I'd back the Roosters regardless of the changes they make to put Satili Tupatua uh, Nua in there, Orbison, whatever they need to do to readjust, I'd still back the Roosters this week against the Cowboys. Yeah, please. But awesome game. Awesome game. Uh, Raiders Dragons, 22-16. Interesting one when Ricky Stewart benched Josh Papali, but I honestly enjoyed and liked what he said. Basically saying that he's been carrying the forward pack and all these other blokes need to pull their finger out and... He got the response he wanted. Yeah. Guller and uh, Sutton in particular had one of his best games since he's been over here in the last 18 months. They laid that platform. You know, they got downfield on to the Dragons and quite honestly, some pretty soft tries. Like Saab makes a poor read. Reed just creates a number for Kotrick to get in. Simonson over the top of Rava Lawa. And the Willings one late was just soft. Corbin just stands there flat-footed. Kerr doesn't tie in and they're 18-0 at half time. They had some chances of their own, but inside 20, they just looked absolutely absent of any connection, in particular on the halves, and getting downfield and just controlling things. They went back to being a little bit too sideways, but, you know, second half, they had their chances. They built a little bit of a period early on there with Hunt without a line break, a couple of repeat sets, and Ravalawa drops the dropout. They march down the other end. White puts a kick in. They score a try, and at 22-zip, you're basically thinking, well, this could blow out or it's game over, but 
they lost a couple of players. Obviously, Soliola, Gula went off early. I think Elliot had to go off for a cut, so they only had one guy left. But they made a bit of a late surge. You know, was there good some good signs there? Yeah. Would you be bothered if you're Ricky Stewart? I guess. But with the players you're missing, being up twenty two zip, it was all all too late really from a Dragons perspective. I think the big thing I took out of that is it's time to stop putting Hunt on the bench. Just start him. Don't waste the interchange. McInnes is killing it at lock. He's mm. just been a bundle. Of, there's, there's nothing more he could possibly do for that team. I think the one thing they're still lacking is middle help. So I'm at the point where I'm looking at it now going, okay, well, Sims is back this week. Frizzell's leaving the club. I need someone with a bit more mobility and punch in the middle. Like, you just play front row. I just put Frizzell on the front row with Vaughan. Yeah, you could do that. If Terrell's been doing a job on the edge, he's been damaging. <laughs> put him and Sims on the edges. You can keep playing Merrin at lock, and then you can put some guys back on the bench to kind of boost your situation up there. But I think they need more punch overall. So I think Terrell Fuimano certainly showed he's got enough on that edge. Put him and Tarek, and if Frizzell's on the way out the door, I'd use him to what suits me now rather than just leaving him sitting on that edge. Mm. Aiken played a really good game. Very destructive. Dufty had some... Yeah, I, I don't know how good Canberra going at the moment. No. Nah. Uh, but the Most Dragons had plenty of chances. Once they got a little bit loose, played a bit of footy, they yeah. found some points. Uh, but yeah, I never really felt like they were going to win it. I felt like Canberra were always in control and a deserved victory while unconvincing. Um, the, the toll... They still got the job done. ...is more the bother, I think, for Canberra. Uh, so I don't think they'd be too worried about the result in the end, how worked out. I think they'd be more bothered about the bodies they've lost. But Chance was good. Like we said, those few forwards early on Sutton's first stint. Uh, but those injuries are definitely going to be a concern. The Dragons, McInnes, just outstanding. Aiken, obviously, in one of those weird situations where there's plenty of talk that he wasn't going to play or he's going to be moved on. He's playing for a deal. So some of his best form. And Dufty late there obviously had a few moments, but too little too late. It was Cowboys. Well, this one's pretty straightforward. This was an absolute bloodbath. Cowboys started the game really, really well. Got stuck into Parramatta. Got four or five repeat sets. We're trying to roll through them. They fired shots left and right. Drinkwater's getting deep in the line, being threatening with his footwork and running. Um, you know, they're sitting there basically looking like they're going to throw down. I'm, I was getting excited. I was like, wow, we might be in for a good game here. Yeah. They might have found that, that bit of fight and what we want to see and we might get a contest. But kick it dead. Seven tackle set into a penalty. One repeat set down there, Parramatta score, and then it just turned into an absolute bloodbath. The floodgates opened. Yeah. They did not stop them all night. The forward pack just absolutely pulled them to pieces. I think the middle five for Parramatta, or the starting five, ran for a 1,000 metres between them, which is absolutely ridiculous. Dylan Brown was absolutely outstanding. Field, as we said last week, great option. Just played his role. Second fiddle, picked his moments, distributed, run the ball. He's very, very dangerous off his feet. I think the most impressive thing is Dylan Brown's 19 years old and they didn't miss a beat without Moses. Yeah, He kicked, he took control of the team, he still ran and played his normal game. And that left edge with him and Gutherson linking up with Sevo and Jennings just gave an absolute bath. And Kyle Felt certainly did the smart thing, just running in on the centre to avoid getting flattened by Sevo. Basically made no effort or no intention to want to have any part to do with Michael Sevo by one occasion there. Yeah. Where he ended up laying on the ground, but... Uh, it was pretty embarrassing in the end, to be honest, and not what I was expecting after the first 10 minutes, that's for sure. Thought we were in for a really good game, but it wasn't to be the case. No, it was a it was a hammering. Put simply, it was an absolute hammering, and you've really got to have a, uh, have a think about where the Cowboys are at because their form has just gone up and down like a heart rate monitor. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to make of the Cowboys. They're in... 
needed some changes and he, he made a big call this week moving. Yep. Uh, I think it's a good call, wing. to be honest, because let's be honest. They need it? Morgan back and they need Morgan playing good footy. They, yeah. They're just. They, they rely on Tal Malolo. Too they much. rely on just playing on the back of him, and if that doesn't work, they don't, they've got little answers. No. Nah. Nah. Their, their effort's shit at times. It, they just go, they buzz in and out of games. One of the only guys. They're a hard, hard team to watch. Yeah. One of the only other guys you can kind of give credit to, whether you like him or not, is Josh McGuire. He just does his job every yeah, week. Yeah, him and um, Him and Tal Malolo seem to carry that forward pack. Um, but yeah, in different ways. McGuire's always there doing all the shit work and the dirt work and getting in there, but. Outside backs, they've made adjustments. They've had different centres, different wing combinations this week. They're looking for Hamiso to go back to fullback and offer some spark. You know, Holmes having that time off, come back from America. He he showed great progress while he was at the Sharks, but it's basically a two-year gap. Being physically ready, football ready, fitting into a completely different side, I think it's probably best interest for them that he does go back to the wing, just offers them the one thing that he does do really, really well, which is carry the ball out in yardage and help out there and defensively it probably helps out with one of the edges because they're putting a young guy in Connolly Lamilu to play centres this week as well so they've got a bit of an adjustment there and as far as the spine's concerned like you said they need Morgan back ASAP but as far as the other three pieces go they just have to persist because there's only one way to build any continuity in a spine that's stick with it so yeah. if Drinkwater and Clifford are going to be a part of it moving forward Robson certainly is they just need to keep pushing with it and then make a decision about the makeup of that when Morgan comes back yeah, correct. So uh, there wasn't a whole lot impressive for them. It was the same old, same old Maguire and Tom Malolo. But for the Eels, you could wrap everybody. Gutherson had a huge game again. Paulo has been incredible this year under these new rules. He's not one of the guys I would have picked to have stood out so much. That he's throwing his hat in. Um, and again, we're a long way off, but he keeps playing like this. Him and Campbell Gillard are certainly throwing their hands up for Origin jerseys. Absolutely. That's for sure. Uh, Madison, Lane, the whole forward pack. Nick Corey filling in for Brown. Oregon Kafusi's development off the bench. Brown, Dylan Brown. As we said, the way he played, Jennings' form, Sevo, just everyone from Parramatta was outstanding. So, yeah, couldn't give enough reps to that performance. Sharky's Titans, 40 to 10, unfortunately, for your my box head. The first half was very interesting, though. I saw bits and pieces of this. This was back and forth. I didn't know what was going on. Very, very weird first half. You kind of got the feeling early that you blokes were up for it when Thompson scored that try and fended a few blokes off, but it turns out it was touched by the Peach and then Ueli. They isolate. Uh, I think it was hip grave, and he crashes over, and you're like, well, front row tries, that's never a good sign. But Thompson gets that try back. Johnson throws one on the ground, takes it to the bank the other end. Then we have another front row try for feeder. Uh, Moylan goes off. You blokes grajag one late there. <laughs> Roberts, a nice pass to Don. It was a really topsy-turvy first half. It kind of felt like you, you certainly weren't going to go away. Yeah, well, both of them all went through twice, and they yeah. didn't ice either of them. Yeah, that's so, some love on that right edge. They'll play. Yeah, we we there had our chances the right. and then started the second half and just got blown away. Yeah. And that's the Titans' problem. They've got these periods within matches where they just get yeah. hammered and they leak a shitload of points. They probably competed and were in a 50-50 game for, well, I don't know, 55 minutes. I thought, the Sharks were just dominant for 25. Yeah. I thought particularly the fight in the first half was pretty good given the late changes. And again, it's not the greatest squad the deepest squad in the first place, but to have Sammy be ruled out closer to the game and have to have a reshuffle, and then you debut Bo for more, who's had a great junior track record, but he's come literally out of isolation, no games of cup, no preparation off an ACL mm. to play his first grade in first grade. And in attack, he was absolutely outstanding. Unfortunately for the young bloke, the second half wasn't that friendly. He was targeted heavily on that right edge, but again, he didn't have a whole lot of help around him, but 
Um, Johnson isolated him once, got that offload back inside to Braley. They hit him on that Nakora shape there where Ash Taylor didn't help him out. Ash Taylor just turned his hips in completely and froze. Yeah. Chad Townsend scored an easy one again where Fomor's come up kind of on his own and tried to make the tackle and outside help didn't come. So it just got ugly. But the second half, it was more exactly what you said. There's periods of effort, but then there's just these flat periods and um, just you know constant changes, constant reshuffles, not having a good forward pack. Sharky's just bullied him at the end of the day and they picked him apart on both sides of the field. Yeah. I think the one thing out of this, again, a lot of people are talking up Johnson's form the last few weeks, and he has been good, but I want to see it this week against Penrith. Same as when we talked about Latrell a few weeks ago, and everyone was loving him up after those two games, and then he had a Barry Crocker against Penrith. Mm. It's all well and good to be this player against the Titans or lower sides. We need Sean Johnson this week to dominate Penrith or at least be one of the better players for the Sharks. Yeah. The one thing I do take out of this, and their pack struggled a bit, is when they do roll, and again, playing the Titans or playing something like that, it certainly brings in Braley to the game. Some of those earlier games where they weren't dominant or they were beaten, when they're getting beaten up the guts and he's just dishing, they don't get a whole lot of creativity out of night. When they get going forward, he can actually manipulate the ruck, he can create space, he can create gout around there, which then gets better opportunities to his outside men, like your Johnsons and your Townsends, to inject themselves into the game with less inside pressure. So there was some good signs there. Um, but Chad... You early. Johnson, again, had a good game for feet up. Blake, some good form coming through for those guys. Titans, Thompson looks like he's going to be a good boy. For more, some positive signs despite those couple of misses. Mo every week. Um, and they've had to reshuffle this week with more injuries. So I think you've had a hooker change again. I don't know if Pete's ended up finding his way back in. Tremaine Spry's going to get his first game on the wing. So it'd be nice if they could get some stability. But if there's one thing otherwise, and we spoke about this from the start, that they needed to do, which Holbrook is doing... You need to work your way through that squad and figure out what's good, what's Correct. not good, what, yep. you're, what you're interested in. Like He would have liked what he saw from Fomor. I'm sure he would show him the video of some of that defensive stuff, but it's his first game of NRL and he's not on the best side. No. So those kind of things for the Titans for the rest of this season are all they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Work your way through it. If they can get rid of Boyd, if he doesn't want to be there, if they can work that out. Wallace situation, who knows? I think Pete's is off. James off an injury. Do they keep him? Proctor the week before played one of his better games. They keep him around. All these things are basically all the Titans need to be working on for the rest of this season. Plain and simple. Yeah. Warriors Bronco as well again. Never felt too comfortable about this game. Um, yeah, they got that 10-0 lead. Things weren't overly impressive as how they got there. You kind of thought maybe the Warriors weren't up for it, in particular when Pungai Jr. flattened Nick Ream earlier in the night. You thought this is not going to be the Warriors night. The Broncos may have their chance here. But that wasn't to be the case. Well, they played their best footy at the start of the game. Mm. Got to a 10-0 lead. They played pretty simple. They completed. And then they just shit themselves for the rest of the night. They they fumbled and bumbled and sort of would get behind, get to a lead, get behind, get to a lead. And then it got to the last 20 and they just... They don't have that killer winning instinct. They, they're they in the habit of losing at the moment, not winning. And until they can sort of break through, that's only the anxiety around that's only going to continue. And they're playing... Like a team that's got that anxiety, that fear around the result. Yeah, and the other thing with the said- Warriors, I mean, the, were the Warriors overly interested? They they sort of the Broncos just kept them interested, well, and then at the end of the sniff. game, they yeah. got a sniff and thought, "Well, we can win this," and they that's did. what they did. And I think again, the disappointing thing, regardless of the style of football, the effort, all the bits and pieces you want to talk about for the Broncos, the discipline and the errors haven't changed. They completed under seventy percent again, six-one penalty count. The amount of times you hear six agains on the Broncos on yeah. play four and five. Is just absolutely yeah. disgusting. 
And a lot of them are just dumb. Yeah, they're just stupid. Oh, it's so frustrating to watch, but... The well, imagine end, trying to coach it. Because oh, you're certainly not saying, hey, boys, give nah, away... Give away six again and lay in the ruck and... Yeah, yeah on play four. And just, That's a tactic of ours. You know, the try, the try on half time was the real killer because they dodged a couple of bullets. But then right on half time there, they jumped that short side, squeezed Ken Marmolo down there, and he goes in at 10-4. When that happened, I was immediately worried. Yeah. And then the second half... The only try they ended up getting was off a terrible bounce that went back over Hiku's head, and you kind of thought, all right, they've been giving you a gift here. At least put the effort in, hold the ball here, just control the game, and they couldn't even do that. No. They just let the Warriors straight back in. Shit soft crash over by Parsi was just absolutely terrible. They dodged a bullet with that obstruction call where the player slid into Milford, which, again, was more an accident, but, again, there's not much you can do about it. But the real disappointing one was the try, and I was sitting there with you, where they just pass around them. They were in that little loaded short side there. And I think it was play five. And Coates, and I think Farnworth is inside him. All the Brisbane players, inside 10 and on your line, we speak about this all the time. You've got to go up and up. You get off your line square, you go up hard, you cut down time and space. And if you're short, which they weren't, you just land on the pass or you land on your man. They all held. They're all compressed. They've literally watched the ball get passed around them. And while they're all standing flat at the last minute, Coates has taken off to try and stop. Mm. that try from being scored by Kemba Marlowe. But like even that this week, you, you think he's honestly teaching them that that's how they defend inside 10? No, he's not. Of course he's not. But <clears> like, I don't think he's controlling the defence anyway. That, that, that just there, there was the one that I was looking at going like, man, there was, was there's not a number there. You let him squeeze down the smallest corridor. Yeah. They were so passive and just flat and let it basically unfold before it was too late. It was a car crash that you couldn't look away from. Yep. Um and Blake Green, again, a lot of people said would be the difference at the back end of that game compared to the halves and Brisbane side, which is true. He kicked the 40-20. He controlled things. He set up one of the other tries. He just basically steered the ship for the Warriors once they got that sniff. Yeah, in the week he's told he's not long. Yeah, not, not wanted longer wanted there. Of, I get the Isaac Moses thing, but from a perspective of that, whether you like it or not, his company, even if he's gone, have a lot of quality players. You can't just block out all the players that are employed by that agency. Yeah. So the tactic of not wanting to have the Brisbane situation where they've got 10-plus players and a coach on the roster, sure. But I wouldn't be right now saying, yeah, Blake Green, you're gone in the situation the Warriors are in yeah. when you've only got a handful on your roster. That, to me, is just poor business. So there's already talk about clubs in Sydney interested and people this year interested to get him over the Broncos. People were throwing up immediately to try and get on board as well. But um, whether it be this year or next year, I don't think he's going to struggle to find an opportunity. There'll be somebody that gets Brake Green on board, but Harris for them again has been tremendous since he's come back in. <coughs> he's one of those guys again. I really wish he didn't leave Melbourne. Marmolo's first game back close to three hundred metres really made up for the absence of Roger Tuivasa-Shecky's yardage work is just incredible. And uh, Hetherington, pretty good first game, brought an offload. Yeah, bit of aggression off the bench. So good signs there. For the Broncos, it's the same old characters. Haas is number one every week, and I think Carrigan is working his ass off, but you've just got to look at him and just all the things we've talked about before. I think the big thing we've both talked about as well is just their run intent. They seem more intent on forcing offloads or preempting offloads rather than just running hard, putting a dent in the side and looking for quick play the balls or playing off the back of that. There's a shitload of preempted offloads that are just not effective. Yeah. They're forced, they create errors, or they create pressure on the guy that gets the ball, and they're putting him in a position that's no better than where they are and placing pressure on their teammates. Uh, I still don't feel like either of the halves are really taking control. The nine situation, Luke's doing an okay job, I guess, but they could definitely do with Turpin just 
to be aggressive and shooting out of there, but how Dearden's not in the air, I don't know. That's the one thing that certainly needs to change yeah. and change very soon, but we'll leave that one behind. Panthers top. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Bikers 19-12, rip again. And the tone was set from the first hit of the game where kick out flat and Garner. Easy try pretty early. No yeah. surprise they got at that right edge, which even with some changes is still a bit shaky there with Leilua. Uh, Nofaluma and those kind of guys, it was worse at the start of the year, but you kind of thought, wow, is this a sign of where the game's heading for the Panthers? Yeah, they they broke out early, didn't they? You just sort of thought, well, okay, this is going to be a score. And from that point on, the Tigers just dragged the Panthers right down into that gritty, slow, grinding type of game. And Penrith looked uncomfortable in it at, at different stages, but they were able to weather it and... Just had some moments of class, and then at the back end of the game, they were able to nail it and 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 take it out. But you know, the problem the Tigers have got at the moment, they just can't. They struggle to generate points uh, to compete with those top four sides. Uh, they're going to need to to find some more points, uh, particularly at key stages of the game when they've got large periods of possession. Uh, that that's really the key for them at the moment because they can defend as hard as they want, but. If they're not generating any scoreboard pressure, it's going to make things difficult. Yeah, I looked at this one. Uh, I think the big thing still for me for Panthers is just getting better inside 20. Yeah. I think there's the one thing I will say, and I've been very heavy you on... You the, could say that about a lot of teams. I like, know. You know, a lot of teams like to drag you into the 20. I just felt Because like, they get that extra... A lot of them will drop one marker out. They'll plug the A in... So it's essentially one marker and a 12-man defensive line, and it's less space to have to get up and pressure. So I I do think defensive teams have got tactics around it, which makes it more difficult. Um, look, I think their attack inside 20 is certainly a lot better than it was last year. Oh, it definitely is. I still think there's room for improvements more what I'm saying, but one thing I will say, I was heavy on getting Burton to the team. Luai is certainly impressed as the weeks have gone on. Had some good moments on the weekend there. Come up with the pass for the first try. He had that nice one in the second half for Crichton. Second one where he got really deep into the line. Realised Dewey was out of position and put a nice kick in for Crichton's second. He forced a couple of dropouts. He made a nice try saver at the back end of the game there where Edwards had that error. It obviously still ended up leading to a try, but I just think overall his contributions are slowly building. Yeah. And we're seeing with that, Nath been able to do what we've expected, which is put in a really good kicking game, which he did. Steer the side. He kicked a field goal had really good control over the team, and he just defends like an axe on his edge. And obviously the big thing we talked about a lot last year, having no nine presence in the middle, no one that could control the ruck, dictate, threaten the markers, or the ABs both sides never held up the middle for Penrith. And every time they went in a good ball, basically teams just shifted straight off the ruck because they knew they didn't have to be accountable. Yeah. This year they certainly have to be accountable, and we saw it at the back end of the game. The crunch time field goal, Coruscant's probed a little bit, but he doesn't force his runs. And at the critical time... The both markers overworked. Eisenhuth went out way too hard. Cheekham was passive. He ducked under both of them. 
shoots upfield and the pass that he's threaded for Dylan Edwards was an absolute pull. Yeah. So, Coruscant, really, really good. It's unlocked that spine. Even Edwards, again, not, haven't been the biggest fan, but I, besides that error that led to a try, I thought he was pretty good. He's, well, Coruscant was a difference, really. Like, yeah, that play. Harry Grant was great, but he, his opportunities weren't as um, frequent as what Coruscant's were. No. I thought Luke Brooks tried hard. He's just missing that partner on the other side. I think it's almost time to give Benji another crack. I'd be playing Reynolds off the bench as your 14. Uh, but that that's just me from a from a Tigers perspective. Penrith, I think it won't be long and you'll see Charlie Staines come in at fullback. Um, Edwards, good effort player, pushes up. But uh, I think if, if they're going to win the competition, Penrith, and you know I do think they've got a chance if they can, things can align and they can... Um, have some things go their way. I think fullback's probably an area of concern. Well, you've seen more of him than I have. See, yeah. I haven't. I haven't worked with him. A lot of these other blokes, I've he won flag I've player of the with. year last year, didn't he? Yeah. But is he? Do you know if he's a ball player or we got another runner? Because the he's, one thing, he's more of a runner, but can ball play. But that's the one gripe we've kind of had. Like Aikens, to me, is a really good footballer, but he's a worker. Edwards, mm. same deal. He's a worker. He yeah, Aikens and Aikens and uh, Edwards are very similar. And Dallin more yeah. speed, more X factor. More speed. Either that, or you move. Um, oh, the name's gone. The center. What's his name? The young kid. Crichton. Crichton. You move Crichton to one. Nate bring in a yeah. Tyler back center. onto the wing when he's healthy. There's a few options there. Yeah. I think that's the upside for Penrith. But like we spoke about before, I just think they need more at one yeah. than what they're getting. And, that was and that's my no knock on, on no Luai. knock on Edwards. With Luai, I thought. Uh, well, see, could... I disagree with Luai. Yeah. I just and I, that's what I mean. Like oh, that's for me, that was more getting Burton in the side because I just think Burton and Cleary could yeah, be I, a great I, combo. I'm a fan of playing Burton as your 14. I just think they have really good options. May's they? probably got the the lean there because he can play nine. I'm yeah. not sure Burton can. And he's played lock. He's played center. He's yeah. played full. He's positions. probably not as mobile for that. He's a little bit older as well. Coming through, he obviously played a lot of positions. But I, I do think well. that'll be horses for courses. There'll be games where Cleary will go. Well, no, nah, I'm going with Burton this week. Yeah. You know, in other games like the weekend where he thought probably, it's probably going to be more physical, so I'm going to go with May. Well, the other beautiful thing which we do now know, if they have an injury or a niggle, they don't have to force one of those guys to play. No. They're winning games, they're in the top four, and they've got a half there that if he's on the open market tomorrow, I'm sure most of the NRL will be trying to get him out of Penrith. Yeah. So they've got options there. But uh, the one that killed me on the weekend, and I know they use him a lot as a decoy, Kikiao had four touches. He had the great hit at the start of the game, but after that he was basically a non-factor. Um the thing, oh, they're using him purely as a decoy. I'm like, well, I don't care about that. Come get a run. Find a carry. Get involved in yardage. The Losing his legs, launching in tackles, lashing out. Like, there was just some dumb stuff. And yeah. He's great at times, but there's other games you look at him. He got a bit of a bump off the ball from Garner, and he laid down like he'd been absolutely KO'd. There was just a few small times where you, some weeks you're like, he's just not on. Mm. And I, I thought the complete opposite after the hit the start of the game. I thought he's going to have an absolute terror of a game tonight, if that's his attitude, but... Uh, he was almost a non-factor, but great signs from the spine. Coruscant was awesome. Luai, Nath, huge blow in Toto, but Naden's there. They've got some cover. They've got some rotation they can make. Fisher-Harris, I ran about every week, but the bloke's just a weapon. Tigers, Nofaluma, again, I, I don't know another winger that's more damaging or more disruptive as far as set starts or getting quick play of the balls and breaking tackles. He's been awesome for the Tigers. Dewey, good progress again. Um, and Eisenhuth, he's been in the last couple of weeks, 60-plus tackles, scored a meaty. He obviously got picked out at the back end of the game there, but he was busy, so there's some good efforts there, but disappointing for the Tigers to be uh, you know, so close in that one. And then, obviously, we touched on earlier without going into, again, the whole Leigh Lewis situation. So, 
Um, yeah. Knights Burnley 14-12. Only basically one left on the bench after Ponga went at the back end there and they already lost the players earlier, but they basically did what Manly did a couple of weeks back against the Raiders and held it off. Yeah. Essentially, it was scrappy, ugly, hard game to watch. It's probably how I'd describe it. Well, yeah, the early start there where it was a bit ugly. Fitz gets held out. Fitz given by Cherry Evans. The 10 in the bin. They do what most teams would probably do. They take the two and back themselves to come back down. And it wasn't looking pretty, and that's the way it turned out to be. Macca sells a dummy after Sirenen had a bit of a bad few minutes there. First, he didn't pack into the scrum properly, so they got a mm. differential penalty and they lost the ball. So, I mean, yeah, there were parts of this game that really frustrated me. There were yeah. some poor errors. And then he sold the dummy, which got Sirenen to bite at and let him get that try at 8-0, but... DC, I will give him some credit. I thought he played pretty well and he made up for one of his mistakes. It was play five there and he just got a nice wide pass which pulled their middles apart. Clemmer, Safidi, Fitz was trying to come and tie in there. They were just a bit scrambled and he scored a pretty soft try. But uh, on right on half time, probably a bit of a death blow or a frustrating thing for Des and Manley. Pierce puts a nice kick in that Man just makes an effort to get through and they sneak in at 14-6. But... Mm. Lee was gone early. They lost Mataudia. And then when the HIA hit for Ponga there, they had to ask for big minutes yep. from their forwards. And, you know, they're under attack. Footer almost scored twice. That to have try-saving efforts a few times there to save them that game. Yeah, uh-huh. it, was, it was hard. I should probably take back what I said. It was hard to watch until that last bit. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it was a really dour sort of game. But it really livened up at the back end. And Newcastle had every reason to lose, but they just gritted their way. And... And they needed to. It was good after a bad loss. That's a game they lose under Nathan Brown. Yeah, probably. Probably. You know doubt about that. But, um, yeah, good effort. Lee, Sione, the HIA, SES, he's struggling. Both Safidis oh, played. Manly were okay. 60. You know, Clemmer played huge minutes and was awesome in this game as well. Like I said, the Funa saves that they had to come up with there. I think Best made one. Fitzgibbon come up with one. McCulloch come up with one. The video ref got involved a few times and they dodged some bullets, but... They're the ones that you really, really look back on at the end of the season when you get into the finals. And for yeah. Newcastle, that's one of the ones that you look at and go, they shouldn't have won that game probably. But that makes up somewhat or at least balances out the one the week before where you're like, oh, wow. Mm. They just got dusted by the Cowboys. But for Manly, you know, similar to Raiders the other way. It was kind of sitting there for them. They had all the running. They had all the opportunity. They just couldn't get it done. Well, and they also had a Newcastle team that was falling apart. <clears throat> You know, that yeah. were running with one player on the bench at the back end of that game. So, yeah. they had their chances. They were at home, back at Brookie. They had fans there. So, plenty was in their favour, but I was pretty keen on the Knights. And I just didn't expect them to have to overcome those type of circumstances, but they did. No. And like I said, good signs. Connor Watson's in the 21 this week, even though they've lost Edric. Barnett's not too far away either. Matiati is off with the concussion this week, but the huge minutes from their middles were so impressive. Uh, I think like Jacob's improvement this year, that's another wrap on O'Brien to bring him up closer to what Daniel was doing, but to get 60-plus out of those two, Clemmer's minutes, Pierce's kick and control, and he chased everything. He tackled everything. like He just really, really ripped in, and I thought dragged him home, um, especially after Pong went off. So it was a really good game by those guys. Uh, real good effort. And on the, the Manly side, Cherry Evans' sin bin obviously didn't help his situation, but other than that, I thought he... He was pretty good. Probably was their best player. Yeah, he, he tried his best. I think Cust when he got on made a pretty good impact. He did. He was very good very speed. Wily customer. He showed some signs there previous last year when he played, but I think he had a real point to prove in this one because he's from Newcastle. I don't think he got a run in their system, but 
Um, you know, Jake was solid as always. The two front rollers are good as always, but obviously finished with that drama. Yeah, we've spoken yeah. about it. Yeah. So move on from that one. Last one, South Dogs. This one to me, it's a win, but it was very unconvincing. This was frustrating this, to watch. This also. is back to what we've talked about, South again. <laughs> they may get into the bottom into the eight for me, but I just don't see them being much of a threat to those top sides that we're talking about. And I know a lot of people ask me, like, oh, well, they went close with Penrith. Well, you know, they were in there, but errors and probably the forward battle, I thought Penrith should have done a bit more with it. But, you know, I just don't see them as a threat. This game looked ominous when they score three minutes in when Johnston gets outside there from a nice pass from Luttrell, but they struggled inside 20. Nothing felt like it was really sticking. The dog stuck around for nuisance value. They found a try late there when Waken put the kick in, which caught Latrell out of position. And second half, when they dragged that second one from Fytala Marriott and make it 14-10 after they had a quick start again with that crabby kick, you're thinking, are they going to go on with this or are they going to bomb this game? Yeah. Like, surely they can't. And they do go on with it. Murray, who had a bit more of a different role that night, getting more involved in the ball, playing through the middle, trying to open things up for Cody Walker, got that and it was obviously iced by the interception. But you're looking at that game going, I just would have liked to have seen more from South. In all honesty. Yeah. But, you know. They were terrible. South, South were really, really off. Canterbury were, you know, you know what you're going to get from Canterbury, but yeah. they're lacking troops. Um, South had multiple chances to go on with this game and yeah. really do a number. And there were there were times there where you thought, well, hang on, the Bulldogs might come and get them here. Mm. Um, but again, the Doggies just don't have the points to, to yeah. really worry teams. They, they had enough points in them on this day to sort of sneak up behind South a couple of times, but as soon as that had happened, South would just kick up that gear and um, skip ahead again. But it was it was completely unconvincing from South Sydney. Yeah, and there's still, you know... And there's holes all through that team. To have Jimmy the Jet kind of come on and play for... Like, he looked cooked from the start, to be honest. Yeah. I thought he looked tidy. You know, now you... For the South fans that weren't happy with Braden Burns, well, now you're going to be careful what you ask for. Mm. Be careful what you wish for, because now you've got... You know, probably some guys there that are underdone that are going to have to start now. And no doubt, again, his best form is outstanding, but it's been a couple of years since we've seen it. Yeah. And he's clearly underdone because he struggled last week and they carried Burns for that reason. He's going to have to be good to go next week. He's got no choice. He needs to be ready. Yeah. Because Burns is now gone. Unfortunate for him. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just thought a little bit more from the spine. I think Cook is still kind of struggling. I don't know if it's, again, the forward pack not really getting forward or the rule changes or people just being all over him, but. I think he may need to be a little more selective at times with his running. Still feels like he's trying to force himself into the game, whereas under the old set of rules, obviously they had a better forward pack, but he was a bit more selective with his moments. Yeah, um, He's getting there. Murray's probably the biggest thing, I guess, for me, that's just really made that huge difference in the middle for them. He should have never not been in the middle. It's kind of been one thing Correct. that's a real positive, and Jaden Sewell has been a positive. Uh, he's got a penalty every so often or something silly in his game, but... As far as his aggression and his intent and his progression, he's starting to look like a really, really good player. He's going enormous. So good signs there for South fans on that side of things with Sewer. Uh, Dogs, Tolman worked his ass off. I thought Foreign again. He's, they're much better when he's on the field. Wakeham had a couple of a couple of moments and Fitalamara was busy, but same old, same old. Just execution and a lack of points. Dallin had an opportunity early where he cut through and threw a shock and forward pass. They, they get limited chances. They need to ice those, really, if they're going to win these kind of games. Absolutely. I guess this week they get a, a sign of the future of Luke Thompson. Really looking forward to watching him play, especially yeah. now they've lost Adam Elliott. So this week they're, again, almost trying to preserve him 
and uh, not have to force him in there, but now they're going to have to force him in yeah, there. So. And work uh, run into the Broncos. Straight into lock. Probably a good game to come into, to be honest. So mm. we get our first look at Luke Thompson this week. But there you go. There's the reviews of the games from the weekend. You put up earlier, Box said some questions on the discussion group again and what people have got here. Some things to talk about. Jarrett Filmer says, how would you go about rebuilding the Warriors and what sort of free agents should they target this offseason? Well, they need a half. They're going to get rid of Green. And I'm not sure what halves are available. Yeah, well, between Nick Arima and Tavita <laughs> Harris, it's probably too much of the same. We said before, even though we disagreed sort of on the Johnson front, that I wouldn't have got Nick Arima as that sort of replacement. Top of my head, as far as what's available on the market, I haven't had a real close look. I think the biggest thing that needs to be asked of them and what's happened in the last few years is what happened to the juniors? What happened to the 20 system that was killing it for so long and then keeping the right ones? Because they had a bad track record there of your Tokiahos and some of these guys leaving and end up elsewhere where they should be in their system. So they need to get back to the nitty and gritty of that. They're trying to get James Maloney back. Yeah. Yes, Peter O'Sullivan has gone out and found a couple now that weren't exactly in the system. He's done a good job getting Alessia Katoa, Isaiah Papali'i was a you know a power lifter and whatever else. So they found a couple like that, but they had a consistent flow a couple of years ago, coming in droves that they could have picked from. And where are they all now? There should be more of them there. Yeah, I agree. The one thing they shouldn't do, which they've done the last few years, when you get guys like Adam Blair and Isaac Luke, they can't go reaching for old New Zealand internationals to come back to play at the Warriors who are at the back end of the career yeah. for a paycheck. It, Phil Gould's been sort of um, drumming on a little bit recently about the end of the NYC and the impact that's had on Western Sydney teams and the NRL um, as a whole. It's had a significant impact on the Warriors. Mm. Massive impact. That was such a huge draw card to get players over in New Zealand to play NRL rather than Rugby Union because it was on TV and televised. Oh, it was huge. Such a big carrot. They don't even have a Jersey flag team now. That's how they stole They're out of Jersey flag. That's how they got Hurrell at the time. That's how they got a lot of these guys to come and play for them was because they... It's such a uh, step backwards for Rugby League in New Zealand. Yeah, their their 20s, especially because they had to travel on that, were almost tweet. They were treated like they were ready for first grade. Yeah. They weren't like you are a first grader, but because of the way they had to do their week, fly, travel, they basically had to demand of them to act like professionals straight away. Correct. So they had good groups coming through. They had good coaching. And the big one there that used to be there with Ivan Cleary when all the good stuff was happening and then continued it on in the junior pathways was John Ackland. Mm. He had great success for a few years there. And obviously he's no longer a part of the setup. So of all things, they need to get back to their grassroots. That's one thing. They need to do a much better job of the production line that's coming through there. Yeah. Uh, Jordan says, why must it hurt being a Queenslander in 2020? Well, you're not going to get any sympathy out of me yeah. after the years and years and years we've gone through. I was going to say, Cowboys have won a comp in the last couple of years and been in a couple of grand finals. And then you've had Brisbane who have been successful forever. I don't think Brisbane fans can really kick up too much of a stink and then as far the, as the history of their club. And then you've had the Titans. <laughs> and then you've got you the Titans. So, yeah, you definitely not get sympathy in box. Super. Dom Sullivan said about Blake Green's time the war is coming to an end. Would you take him at your club? Well, I think plenty would. Titans would. Titans would. We'll swap you for Ash Taylor. I think there's a few Sydney clubs. Swap salaries too. I think even Melbourne. Depending on what happened next year, again, yeah. I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't argue with it. If we got Grant back, both the Smiths and Munster, I wouldn't want him. But if it didn't happen that Still way, depth. and Smith retired or we didn't have another heart, like he's a guy I'd definitely take. Definitely. Bulldogs could do worse if they moved on from foreign or wanted to pair him with foreign. Like there's, there's plenty of options for him. The Tigers could plug him in for 12 months with Luke Brooks if they wanted to free him up a little bit, if they weren't happy with Reynolds or Benji. Yeah. There's plenty of options if uh, someone's looking. And he wouldn't be overpriced either. He went over there on good coin, but before that over here, he was on reasonable money. 
I'm sure to keep playing, he'd be willing to do so. Yeah. Cam Finlayson says on the open market, what's Josh Addo Carr or any top shelf wing is genuine uh, market value, do you think? Well, Addo Carr's form this year. 400. He's not uh, on Australian or New South Wales form, but best wingers in the game, like top shelf wingers. If Sevo hit the market tomorrow, what do you think he'd be getting? 600. Yeah. If you're looking at, say, like a Ken Marmolo who's a try scorer and, and a wrecking ball and yardage, I'm kind of with you. I think the, the top of the winger market would be probably no more than six, you'd think. Mm. Your best wings. You wouldn't want to be no. much more than six. They're, they're obviously, and we've spoken about this before, much more important than they were in the past, particularly in the yardage aspect of the game. But at Ocar right now, I'd probably say would be getting offered less realistically on the open market. But some Sydney clubs and some clubs that are not in a position to bargain, I, I think you'd be looking probably, yeah, getting five, 600. Some would probably be willing to pay that. Yeah. The Bulldogs would probably be willing to pay that. Uh, other clubs that might be interested. But my true value, if I was going to buy out Ocar, I'm probably with Brock, the way he's playing right now. Not as good this Four year. Max. Four would be the absolute max if I was looking at Adokar and his yardage probably isn't as strong as some of the other names you could bring up. Ben Nobes, uh, how did you boys look when you played? Headgear, tape, socks down, what number was your favourite? Wow. And that's this. Damien mm. Fife says to Ben Nobes, from memory, Brock had a headgear and socks up, I think. No headgear. No headgears. There was no headgears here. No. We had the, the only argument we've always had is socks up, socks down. Brock's... Religious socks up. Socks up. Yeah. I always had them down. A number, my favourite number is 12. I love 12. You're 13, man, aren't you? 13, yeah. You were more of the lock. I loved back row. I loved wearing 12. Uh, tape, all the rest of that. No, nah, I wasn't really big on any of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> no. I didn't wear a mouth guard until very, very late, which probably was a bad idea. I'm lucky to have all my teeth nice and Boots, straight. socks up, shorts, jersey. That yeah. was me. Socks down. Didn't like Mouth tape. guard. Need a mouth guard. Yeah. I, I, I should have got that party a bit earlier. I'm still lucky to have a pretty neat Barry Booth. Mm. So... Yeah, no, no. losing any PKs. Nothing major. Yeah, you don't want to be turning into a tic-tac dispenser, do you? No. It's not good, mate. You don't want to have your mouth turn into a Pez dispenser. You and don't, be mate. Around, no. mate. Uh, Grant Levy, we'd love to hear your take on Ivan Cleary. I read a lot of rubbish from Tiger supporters this week, not only about the kiss, but genuine hatred because he lacks integrity. His opinion is there's much bitterness there because a go- uh, coach had the gall taken off for elsewhere. He's uh, forgetting they sacked two coaches before Ivan. And he had given assurances he's committed to the job for two more years before his contract at Panthers. Uh, he realises this may not be seen as tenable. Players do it all the time. No one questions whether they're going to be putting in for the club whilst they're there. Seems a lot of anger because he left, but it seems fine that they terminate other coaches. And it, in the end, it was the well, Tigers. same thing. Yeah. It's just from the other Basically. end. The, the coach walking out rather than the club forcing them out. Uh, I don't have an issue with anything you did. I think a lot of it was the emotion from the West Tigers fans, and we sort of covered it earlier. I uh, I get it, yeah, but no. I, I've got absolutely zero issue with what Ivan Cleary did. No, and we I think spoke it's actually about entertaining time. and funny, and no, um, I, I liked it. And as far as the anger, like you said, they're entitled to be angry. They yeah, are going to yeah. be angry, but realistically, when you said this last year, did I agree with it? No, but do I understand it? One hundred percent, I do, and. If you get there in that situation, he realised where he was. He was at Penrith. His son's at Penrith. And yeah, we don't need to go through again. If you want to compare the two, yeah. like, let's be honest. The pathways, the centre of excellence, your son's being there, what's coming through. Look, it was a shit go when yeah. he did it. it no doubt, no doubt about it. But I, we all know but it's what done it now. And it's, it, it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, so. I'm certainly not going to hold a grudge. No. Um, I, I didn't agree with it at the time, but now move on. Like, I understand West Tigers fans being cranky about it, yep. But what he did on the weekend, 
was uh, not even a blip on my radar. No. Gary Samuel said the Storm Roosters game was one of the best in years. Why don't the media talk it up more instead of focusing on refereeing decisions and uh, negativity? Because that's what they do. Because it sells. Stop clicking on it and they won't do it. Because it sells. <laughs> Brandon Savage, are you guys fans of Dan and Kemp, Clarkie's column or YKTR? What Get Louie to talk about Clarkie. What are your thoughts on these guys? You love Clarkie. What's, what's YKTR? Uh, it's a clothing brand. Corey Norman. Oh, the Corey Norman. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, I don't wear any of the YKTR nah. stuff. I, uh, Thoughts on these guys? Oh, everyone's. I don't know. follow Clarky or look at Clarky stuff. No, I've seen a little bit of Denning Kemp. So, like, you follow all the people that contribute to rugby league and they do a good job and good on all of them, but there's way too much to probably read and look at. And mm. for the most part, like, we're sitting here, it's 10 30 at bloody night. Like, yeah, look, I, I, don't, I don't watch or wear yeah. any of it. It's not a knock on any of these people. We know of all of them. I'm glad that everyone contributes to rugby league and it's great that people are passionate to give up their time and do it. But, yeah. When you're doing and this. I'm not going to give an opinion on them. No, nah, because I don't get enough time to look at after. You love so. Clarky, but good on them. I like Barky's NRL column. <laughs> <laughs> go, and have, go and have a look at that. Yeah, nah. makes me laugh. Uh, Isaac Corey John, yeah. All right, there's a few comments on that one, but yeah, anyone who's willing to contribute to rugby league, all for it. No different to us. Everyone's uh, putting content out there. The Kent didn't Kent thing. The one thing I've seen from him, I haven't really seen the podcast for that. He's got that beer. Yeah, there's a lot of guys. Every player's got a free carton, so I've seen plenty of that getting around just because every man and his dog got a case and a shirt. Mm. Bloke in a bar, but yeah, good on everyone contributing to rugby league. Jackson he's got a Brown, bar now, I think, really. He's got one on the Gold Coast, I think. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't look enough at all this kind of stuff, but I know there's people out there doing good stuff, so good on them. Jackson Brown, few games that were great over the weekend. Thought Panthers Tigers was a cracker. What do you think the reasoning is that Ponga isn't going down his dominant left side? When attacking, hasn't done it since the Raiders game. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really noticed it. I think someone else actually wrote in earlier saying that it seems like he's almost predominantly right side, starting to play to the right side a bit more often. I don't know whether that's more trying to force the issue that people were saying that he's. Maybe... Is it because Pierce is right and Man's left? <clears throat> trying to help man's out a bit more a, on well, that edge. No, Man's just not a great ball player, is well, he? He's been doing a pretty good job running. Is he trying to overcompensate and prove the point that he can play both sides? I don't know. Is he seeing something there? Don't know. I probably haven't noticed it as much. Something I probably have to pay a little bit more attention to. But, but Pierce, the right side player, mm. probably just trying to help out more. Like you're saying, so it makes more sense. Like he's going with a recognised half. And since Braley obviously missed after those first two games, probably puts a little more attention on their ruck. McCulloch's solid, but he's obviously not probably the most creative If they're boy. setting up a lot of the time just to the left uh, or on that left post as you look down the field, that's probably because they're trying to set up for that right side for Pierce. And they'll just give man the ball when there's a quick play of the ball, not with so much structure. So they're probably trying to play a lot of their structure down Pierce's side and a lot of their unstructured stuff down man's side would mm. be my take on it. Yeah. Brendan Savage again says, also, are the Roosters not as amazing as they seem to the eye? Their big wins looked amazing, but they've been against mm. bottom eight sides, whereas they've been put against the sword against Para, St. George, and beaten by Penrith, Manly, and Melbourne. All these injuries, too, may hurt. Well, yeah. Again, yeah. You're talking two of them pre-COVID, off no pre-season. We spoke about this before. Yeah. I, I would take those first two games with a grain of salt. Yes, they lost, but they were the most underdone team of all. They've come back from overseas, big season, internationals, all the rest of it. So COVID was the best thing that would happen to them. Yes, they were bottom eight sides for the majority and they absolutely blitzed them, but then you've just hit the nail on the head for your own part. All those other games, they've faced adversity, injuries, or they haven't had their best side on the park, but they've been in every single one of those games. So 
like the Melbourne one, <clears throat> they've given up a 10-point lead, which is disappointing, but you you can't say they were bad or they weren't amazing that game. Three guys out to ACLs, lose Tupo, Cordner with a head knock. Um, the week prior against the Dragons to lose two guys, play with 15, ask your front rowers to both play 80 minutes is a massive effort. And Parramatta, I wouldn't necessarily say they put them to the sword, but when it mattered in the last 20 minutes, the champion side blew them off the park. So, uh, you know, they're facing more hurdles. They've been weakened a little bit, yes, but I definitely wouldn't question a champion side like the Roosters, that's for sure. Sean Kelly, do you think bringing a state of origin game to New Zealand would be a good idea? We can have full crowds here, plus the Kiwis get right into it, so it would be a sellout. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Well, if there was every year to do it, if we've still got the restrictions, and didn't I say earlier they were taking one to Adelaide, or they still wanted to? Yeah. If there was a year to redirect a game to New Zealand, this would probably be the one. Yeah. yeah. It would work out much better, no doubt about that. Mark Lafferty says, I did mention this earlier in the group, but your thoughts on the NRL adding a set recount starter to the section on the... St- oh, mate, don't start me on that. I couldn't believe it wasn't there the first week, so that to you. How do they not have the set restarts as a stat that's been taken? Yeah. It's a massive thing in games. Yeah, live like on the that. run, you hear a little bit here or there. But other than that, I can't find anything anywhere to give stats on how many teams have received or how many they've had blown against them. I think they said last week that Penner has got the least and conceded the most. So technically, if you're going off that, they're the most ill-disciplined in the ruck and they get the least amount of help in the ruck, which I don't see how that works out. They're definitely not struggling to roll down field. Mm. I thought on the weekend, actually, watching that again, that they probably should have got more than what they got. But, mate, yeah, definitely should be something there that uh, is listed on the website. Udine Seddon says, will Blake Green end up at the Broncos, in your opinion? He would fit in there, and he's managed by Moses, who is still welcome at the Broncos. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it would be a smart move right now if they can fit him in. Yeah, especially the situation <clears> they've got, <throat> that's for sure. Josh Armo says, have you moved the Sharks out of the no-hope category yet? Three on the trot. And play the teams in the bottom six enough times to get them to 10 wins. Well, I haven't looked at their draw, but clearly you have champions. So if that's the case and they win those ones in this year, that might be enough to get them in. But yeah, good test this weekend up against the Panthers. I've probably got them in the top eight hope right now or just on the fringe. But yeah, interesting to see how they play this weekend up against a quality side like the Panthers. Brett Sims says, I think Nathan Brown could be a good roster manager at the Bulldogs and could help them get the house back in order. Did a great job at the Knights. Now O'Brien taking uh, the glory afterwards. It's interesting how we just put a line through poor Dean Pay, isn't it? Yeah, well, again, still not much coming out there. And like we've said before, they're looking at Kotrick, Green, all these kind of guys at the moment. A lot of people asking the same question. Who's going to be the coach? Mm. They're not going to be able to do any of the business until they sort mm. out who is going to be their coach. Lee Turner, just touched on what we spoke about before. Are you guys all in on kick out? Or do you believe he needs to show more consistency? He's not in at all, well. Consistency is the key word, isn't it? When he's on, he's on. He's an absolute he's gun. gun. You'd rather have him, not have him. Week to week, uh, he's probably not as consistent <laughs> as other back rowers, but he's definitely a game breaker, that's for sure. David Hooper, what's doing with the Broncos team selection? Have stuck my uh, stuck by my team, but can no longer defend the coaching staff and management if they keep trotting at the same side. People need to be held accountable for results, otherwise we aren't going to improve. It's unreal. We've said as much surprise in particular about Deard and maybe a couple of others, but no doubt if Fafita, Turpin, Stags are all available next week, I dare say we should see some heavy reshuffles, surely, mm-hmm. to fit those guys in. And if Milford and Croft, even with those guys, aren't playing well, old boy, just get them out of the side. Pick your best 17 or at least what you think is your most committed 17. It's the only way you're going to save your job. Yeah. Plain and simple. Deck Meadows, we didn't really talk about this at the time, actually, from memory now, because it happened... 
just after we stopped recording and during COVID. <laughs> Thoughts on Greg Inglis at Warrington next season? Feels very risky, but given his previous uh, physical problems. Well, after the break, probably not a bad thing. I think the biggest thing is, is he mentally refreshed and ready to go? I think prior to that, when you're one of these guys that plays that constant cycle of club football, no off-season, into the finals, play at origin during the year, play internationals, a lot of these guys hold off surgeries, hold off a lot of issues, and they build up, which is one thing that Greg had with a the knee there. But with a bit of time off, a bit of time to rest and recuperate and sort out any eagles and issues he's had, and to play in the Super League, no knock on the competition, but I think definitely less, less physical than the NRL. I think GI will be ready to rock and roll. Yeah. I'll be interested to see him play with Widop, Austin. They've got a pretty handy side. Man, it's a it's a very worthwhile risk. It's uh, going to be quite entertaining. I'm looking forward to uh, watching them, that's for sure. Joshua Ian says, Boys, I don't know if you heard Boyd post-game, but he mentioned needing to play 60 or 70 minutes. Is this the first occasion of a player not saying 80? I know it's a cliche and made me nothing, but to me, this is the exact problem with Brisbane. You need to play every minute in the NRL. Darius seems disinterested. It's a really poor look for and message for their young guys. Yeah. Yeah, well. Hard to argue. Can't say much more. But that's more. where they're at as yeah. an organisation. And I can't say much more about Boyd, like we've said before. I, I still honestly think they've come to some agreement that they'd let him just play this year to finish off in glory rather than have the two seasons and potentially embarrass him or force him out or make it ugly somehow. Mm. So that's just my opinion. I may be way off, but that's just the way I see the situation. Joshua James Pryor, thoughts on Lockie Lamb being named at 14. Obviously, Robbo's been doing some dummy half work on him. I personally have huge wraps on him. How do you think he'll go if he plays? Well, it may not be to play nine. It may just be, well, I'm going to bring someone in. He can play nine at a pinch, yeah, but push him around I'm the just middle. going to bring someone in as cover for the halves. Well, one thing he can do, he's good at running the football. and He's not afraid to tackle. Seen him have a good influence in a few of those PNG games. Seen him play a bit of his 20s, but... Yeah, if there was someone, as we said, after the injury, they were going to groom within the current squad they have right now, he was going to be the one yeah. to play nine. So he may be there to help friend out a little bit this week because they're up against the Cowboys. No doubt if they've lost Tupo and Cordner, I think I read earlier, on top of what they're already missing, they may not be able to rotate as heavily as they want. But if things are looking the goods and he can give friend a rest and have a look at Lamb uh, in that spot, he probably will. Yeah. Last couple here. Danos Daniels says, coaches are a bit like referees in that they are and can be very different or strange people. I'd like to know some of the weird coaches that you know over the years. doesn't have to be rugby league, just interesting characters in coaching sport. You've probably come across a few more interesting characters than I have in refereeing. You ever had some interesting coaches or some different coaches? Yeah, Steve Waddell was a different coach. bit old school? An interesting coach, yeah. He was really old school. Um, Who else? Lee Addison was the first coach um, I ever worked with at uh, at the Panthers. That was in 2009. Um, he's from England. He now runs a rugby league coach site on Facebook. Uh, very knowledgeable guy, but um, to that point in time, I hadn't seen a coach uh, like him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and to that point, he was sort of pretty close with Matt El- Matty Elliott who was the coach at the Panthers when I started there in 2009. So um, Matty Elliott is a weird and wacky, (laughs) lovely guy, but just had a lot of different takes on um, rugby league. But I've got to say, like, he put a lot of time into his junior coaches um, and invested a lot of time. Even someone like Anthony Griffin, he's to, to watch the club go from Elliott 
to Cleary, then to Griffin, it was three very different coaches, very different approaches, very different philosophies, very different, um, I guess, ideology around how they work with their junior coaches. And even now, when you look at um, at the West Tigers, you know, I've been there for uh, Cleary and Madge. now Madge, yeah, like two totally different coaches, totally different personalities. So uh, I, I can't really speak to coaches I had, um, but it's, it's more, yeah, the, the coaches I've sort of worked with and under. Some colourful characters, though? Some yeah. Different, different people? Yeah. You know, and even um, my time at the 20s, you know, Cameron Serato and Garth Brennan. Yeah, completely different. Completely different. Completely different guys. Um, oh, I've had, you know, similar to what we've talked about before. I've had a couple of ex-players and, you know, they definitely have a different approach, a lot of them, if they don't have much of a coaching background as opposed to, you know, someone like a Dave Hamilton right at Canberra who was a really, really good recruiter, but he was just really good with the group. He was more like that father figure guy, a bit older, a bit more of a mentor to the group and really good on a personal level. Not saying he didn't coach, but he was very good with his assistants and letting people do their jobs. But he was more that overall kind of figure and really, really good at picking talent. And then, you know, a couple of other guys that you have that were ex-players. I had one that was pretty bad that I'm not going to name names. It was an absolute mm. drop kick. He, he may have won a green final at some point in time, but he was a very interesting character. Yeah. He used to storm off to his car at under-14s training and then drive off, then come back and apologize because he wanted us to basically be a first-grade side. <laughs> um, and then I've had another ex-player who I will mention who was completely different and Probably wasn't the best coach, but he was just really good with the group, and we had a lot of fun. Morvan Edwards, who yeah. played a little bit at Penrith and Tigers, and again, that's not saying he can't coach, but he was early in his time. But he was just really good with our group, so we wanted to play for him. We went overcoached. Um, you get all sorts of different. Yeah, I'll tell you one weird and wacky characters. Um, was Mark Horro. Mark Horro. Mark Horro had. He's a former uh, Kiwi player, wasn't he? Yeah, he had. So that group of Cleary, uh, sorry, not Cleary, Tyrone May. Um, that sort of age group, them coming through, Sony Luke and Moses Leota and that, that group at Penrith, um, he had a real big impact on them. And just his ability to connect with players mm. and just with different approaches, really, really effective. I think he I think he might have lost two SG ball grand finals in a row, but got got that side there and always had them humming along. And you know, there's no shame in losing two to SG Ball Grand Finals. Um, no, they're hard to make. That's I mean, for they sure. Lost, they lost to Balmain in one of them, which was the Moses Brooks year. Yeah, Moses Brooks, Tedesco. That was a stack side. Yeah. That's a very loaded side. Nofaluma was there too, I think. So you want to look at first graders that come through that side alone. Mm. Very heavy, but... I can't think of who they whether they won or lost or yeah. whatever the year after. But yeah, just different different guys you run into, different approaches. Different school uh, school coaches as well. We had some different guys, but they were all very good. They were all part of rep systems. Craig Cohen, Barry Walsh, etc. Yeah. But I, I generally, like I said, a lot of different coaches, different Alex approaches. Melville, who's now down at um, Illawarra Sports, very different coach mm. to, to a Craig Cohen, for example. Yeah. I, like I said, <laughs> I have nothing bad to say about any of the coaches I've really had, except one, like I said, I won't name his name, but it wasn't that he was a bad bloke, but it was just one of those things again. The next player who had a gig, who got given a really, really high up gig early on and then went back to club and then treated it that way and pretended like he had a first grade side. So a yeah. bit of an interesting year when you're a young bloke. Probably not the best for your uh, your attitude or your approach towards the game when you don't really want to go to training. But mm. other than that, yeah, had a bunch of different colourful characters and different people that had different personalities. But the last two we've got here, K 
Cameron Finlayson says, what's the most gruesome injury you've seen on a field? Um, I've seen a compound fracture of the leg. I reckon I can beat you. Um, St. Was... Dom's first ever game of school football. We played Blacktown Pats first oval, year seven. Really, really excited. Game's getting physical. Like a lot of guys that we played club footy with against from Blacktown, uh, St. Mary's. We had St. Clair, brother St. Mary's guys mixed in. People are just absolutely getting stuck into each other. There was a fight early on, but then not long after, I can't remember which one of our players ran over a guy and I was pushing in support and got hit off the ball. And when I turned back around, when the guy next to me got tackled, uh, had run over somebody. He got his eye with his boot on the way through, slit the bloke's eye open. Mm. Like he's, the, I don't know what into the retina or whatnot, but it like literally was spilling out onto the field. So this poor bugger when we're 13... He's copped the old metal studs when they were still a thing, and uh, yeah, no good. he had goop coming out of his face. I don't know what the end result was, but at the time, being on the ground right next to someone when their eyes basically dribbling out of their head, I was like, oh, that's not exactly what you want. Not where you want to be in life. But yeah, I've uh, done a few bad ones myself, and I've seen some bones and bits like you said, but yeah, seeing someone's eye basically leak out of their head, not really a good time. Not where you want to be. Nah, I feel really sorry for him. But last one here, Mark Lafferty. Thoughts on Channel Nine's 100% footy and whether they should change the name to 100% Broncos. Well, I, I, I like that show. I I understand it's probably not everyone's cup of tea, but I just try and watch and listen and respect everyone's opinion. I know that it's been Broncos Central, but that's Channel Nine. That's News Limited. That's you know that if they're going to make news and. Create headlines, etc. That's what they. That's what they're going to do. Right? Mm. I. It's been pretty balanced. I had Paul White on. They had Lockyer on. They had Landy's the other week. Weeks. I didn't say that one. I've Landy's on. Landy's is very good. They're too late at night now. I work too early. Gallon frustrates me a little bit. Yeah. Tony Wadler frustrates me a little bit, but um, we've got a high opinion of what comes out of Gus Gould's mouth. So I haven't seen enough this year. Is Neil Breen <laughs> off, or do they rotate? Uh, no, it's been Wadler the last few times I've watched it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, Andrew Webster maybe one week it's too late yeah I'll record it and watch it the next day yeah I'll still be missing it but so I'll watch it this morning that wraps us up for the questions for this week let's jump into these tips box so we can go to bed because it's very very late first one for this round uh, is the Cowboys and the Roosters what happened last week give us an update six apiece we've tipped identical the last two weeks so there's yeah, been no yeah. progress but you're on Roosters. 45 I'm on 43 Cowboys as far as changes as we spoke about earlier Hamiso comes in at fullback. They've pushed Val to the wing. Connolly Lamelu's recalled at centres. Justin O'Neill and Opechak both injured out of the side. Injured, Tommy eh? Gilbert is back. And Ruben Cotter is off the bench. So, like we said before, they're looking to obviously change up the back line, get Holmes more just focusing on carrying and probably helping out defensively there. Him, Masters, Lamelu's a rookie. Hammer trying to bring something from the back. Something. Uh, McLean's not there again. Only played that one week and he's back out injured. And in those reserves there, there's probably no one they're really looking to bring in from the Roosters side of thing. Yes, there has been a few changes, obviously. Daniel Tupo is out and Boyd Corner concussion has been ruled out for the week. So Ryan Hall starts on the wing and Orbison comes into the back row and Lachlan Lamb is the new face on the bench. Uh, pretty obvious, regardless. <laughs> regardless of who they're missing and what changes they've got, you don't tip the Cowboys on what they've shown you so far, both on the Chookies and the odds. No surprise, a, a bit crazy with the players missing, but again, never know what would happen. Dollar twenty for the Roosters, yeah. four fifty for the Cowboys, twelve and a half start. 
Uh, I don't mind the start if they've got to travel up there no, on a Thursday. But of um, of note, you got a big multi up last week, so did I. You got one up at four fifty. I got one up at three fifty. Did I? Both our multis got up. Yeah, that's remember. four weeks in a row. I don't remember. My best, best what bets are, what did I tip last week? You had Sharks, Panthers, and Knights, uh, Knights and someone else. Well, I had a couple of nice try win bets over the weekend. You, I think you had Eels. I had I had a three legger. I had Rabbitohs, Knights, Panthers, three fifty. Well, I'll tell you what. I had a good piece of Jai Field that won me one hundred and fifty try win. Yeah, no, I was just listening back because I, I couldn't remember oh, what three-legger it was. Yeah, but I think that's, yeah, four or five weeks in a row, my besties have got up. Well, I had so, a few lean weeks with my This week, scorers. I'm a little bit rattled. I'm not sure where I'm going this week. I'm just going to stop tipping try-scorers because the one I've been given out never scores and the ones I've been back on the weekend are, so I'm just going to stop now. All right, let's have a look. I, I had a couple of good ones on the weekend. Oh, both more in the centres, jeez. 6 p.m., Titans-Warriors, and like Stick you just ball. said, a bit of a change there. You've got a couple more injuries. So Corey Thompson, <coughs> he goes to fullback. Tremaine Spry gets a debut on the wing. Tyron Roberts is out after only one week back. He's injured again. Sam Stone's caught up into the back row. Both for Moore goes to the centres with Peachy back to the bench, and Aaron Clark starts at hooker for Mitch Rain, who's out injured again uh, after one game. Yeah. And for the Warriors, Roger Tuovasa-Shek returns after suspension. So Hiku goes back to the centres. Beal is out of the side. Tavita Harris is in for Cody Nikarim, who's having a week off with a head knock. And Jazz Tavunga, huge impact for them the last couple of years, is back from injury finally. He's on the bench. Lawton is named at lock and Harris in the back row where they swap. I'll go the Warriors. If the Titans had full strength in, I'd probably sit the Titans. Well, that sort of reshuffle. The Warriors have got a, the wood on us as well, big yeah, time. they do like playing you guys. But yeah, with that reshuffle, and particularly, like I said, for more was pressured last week with players around him to get our guard into centres. Uh, that's that's a big ask. I'm sure they'll run traffic both ways, but yeah, I'm on the Warriors as well, and the bookies on that one. The odds a dollar ninety five for the Titans, dollar eighty five for the Warriors. So that must have started picking, but it's already gone out. Minus one and a half is a line there, so a bit of value on Ladbrokes. So you get two dollar lines if you're interested. So minus one and a half, get the nice round number of two dollars. Second Friday night game, South versus Tigers. Braden Burns is obviously out for the year, so off the bench, and Bailey Searin's back from a back complaint. For the Tigers, Cheekham has been named in the centres for Leilua. Chris Lawrence comes up onto the bench. Mbai, Nee, Luciana, Leilua, and Sam McIntyre all been cleared of any of their injuries. Jeez, mm. I'd love to tip the Tigers here. Yeah, I'm pretty keen, to be honest. But I just... <sighs> It's it, they fired a lot of shots last week. They fired some shots at the Raiders. They had the up and down kind of game against the Cowboys without a good half, and a bad half. The Dogs, I thought they were scrappy the first half, but then they blew them away. I'm going to tip them. Who are you tipping? I'm tipping the Tigers with zero confidence. Yeah, but yeah I'll go South. <laughs> if there's one of those games of a team in the eight that they have a chance to beat, this is probably one of the ones. You're tipping the Tigers, and they're not in your power rankings. No, they're not. So so they'll make a they'll make a Return <laughs> or their debut if they win here. I think the big thing here, if they play with the if aggression, not, they might not make it back this year. If they play with the aggression intent they have the last couple of weeks, you can put that up against South. Manly will win the spoon, but they'll still be in the power rankings ahead of the Tigers. Oh, come on, mate. Come on, mate. It's a joke. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. But yeah, need to see a big improvement um, this week from South. This is probably in that tier where I think they are. Oh, so this is a flipping game. So, yeah, this is a hard one, but I'm just going to lean. Take the points in this one. It's probably half a point or one and a half. Yeah, I wouldn't be betting on this one. But the odds with the bookies, they like South. South are $1.55. You've wow. tipped South, have you? Yeah. Yep. 
Tigers two forty five. You'll be taking the five and a half Tigers though. Five and a half. So yeah, bit of value there if you don't mind. But lay a lure out whether people think that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because that's three penalties and a couple of I'd rather cheek him than lay the ring. Yeah, I'd rather him. Lawrence, someone at least who I think is going to not be doing something Chris stupid. Chris so. Good play. Yeah. Good times. Sharks-Panthers, the first <laughs> Saturday game. Should be a good one there at Netstrata Stadium. Uh, Dugan has gone into fullback with Moyla out. Bryson oh, Goodwin shifts into the centres and Ronaldo Mulitalo is back from injury on the wing. Fafita's been named to start, but again, we've seen that switch the last few weeks with the ULE. So Panthers. More than likely. And for the Panthers, Tyo's out. Farah is back in the centre, shifting Naden to the wing. And I agree with you. I'll stick with the Penny Panthers. This is how Dugan goes at one. Talking about guys that are injury-prone at fullback, Moylan goes out and Dugan... Different sort of player completely, <clears throat> different aren't they? Play. Dugan's been going great this year. Physical carry. I would have left him where he, where he was and... Um, well, this is one of those ones where... Who was the other kid that was playing there? What's he, what was his last name? Reese. No, they were playing Kennedy. Reese Kennedy, yeah. No, Will Kennedy. Will Kennedy, sorry. Will Bubba Kennedy. Um, is bit... he injured, is he? No, I just think they've chose not to go with him. Yeah, they've I gone with Dugan. Played him and kept they've probably him named him in the 21. Yeah, they've named him in 20, so they might do a reshuffle. But yeah. given the way they've named that back line with Mulitalo in there, I highly doubt they're going to change it. So uh, I doubt they're not going to be dropping him off yeah. the tower. So I think that stays as is. Some good It'll signs. Be how he goes, eh? Yeah, I think the best thing, again, or the big thing, we've seen good signs from their pack, but against lesser opposition, this is a real pack this week. We need to see them be out for the dog fight, and Johnson can rack up the Daly M points and be equal first like he is this week, but let's do that against the side like the Panthers. So, Panthers. Real test here. We're both on the Panthers. Looking forward to seeing how the Sharks go, but the bookies have the Penny Panthers at $1.50. 260 for the Sharks, minus 5.5 is the line again there. Broncos, Dogs. One that a lot of people are going to be interested in, in particular the media, so they can have another field day potentially. <laughs> uh, the Broncos, they've named the same 17 with only one reshuffle. Pengai goes to front row. Flegler went back to the bench and Oates is in the back row. Staggs is in the reserves and there's a possibility to play, but he's got to get through the training this week. And for the Bulldogs, Adam Elliott gone with his shoulder. Luke Thompson comes <laughs> straight into that spot. Staggs plays, I think they, they win comfortably. I think he'll have a big impact on them. But uh, I just think, like I said, I don't. He's, he's gonna he's gonna help them score points. They don't offer a lot, the dogs, but they're ugly. They generally complete no, the dogs. and they sit there. And I look at someone like Brisbane, and I'm like, seriously, no changes other than that. And Prove the only it. thing I've got to look forward to is potentially stay. Prove it. I've said it the last few weeks it was the last time I'm tipping the Broncos, but for some reason, I keep doing it. But yeah. I'm taking from what you've just said, you're tipping the Broncos. I'm tipping the Broncos. <laughs> Go and tip the dogs. Do it. Yeah. Where is this game? Is this Suncorp? Yeah. So they've got a trail there. Yeah. I don't know, man. Tip the dogs, uh, Yeah, I'll give them my last crack. Oh, yeah. Who's your confidence? They'll be in your power rankings next week. I'll <laughs> 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 win my 50. Uh, I've got the Broncos at eight. You're a grab, mate. Yeah. You're a grab. Uh, well, poor old Bulldogs. Looking forward to watching Luke Thompson, though. Must say. Uh, Bookies odds with this one. The Broncos are $1.70. 215 if you like the doggies and the outsiders there and minus three and a half is a line. Shan't be touching the line. Shan't be touching What's that the line? game. Three and a half. Oof. Not touching the game. Stay away. Take either team to win by less than six and a half. A cracker to finish off Saturday night. The Raiders up against the Storm despite a couple of players missing on both sides as far as the Raiders are concerned. Like we talked about, Soliola and Gula now join the sideline crew there with Bateman, obviously. Already missing in Horsburg, so 
the changes they've got there. Louis, Dunamis Louis, straight back in to start in the front row with Josh Papali, who's back in after being on the bench last week. And they've got Kai O'Donnell to debut off the bench this week. To Pine starts at lock. Sutton goes back to the bench. Rapana replaces Curtis Scott. So you can see straight away, he's probably just going to put Rapana on as a middle, let him carry the football and help out. Something you're definitely not going to be doing with Curtis Scott. Uh, and on the Melbourne side of things, Marion Seve has been named to replace Suley with a hamstring injury on the wing there. Jax has been named to start in the half. Smith at hooker and Brandon Smith on the bench. I tell you what. That'll get shuffled. They've got Munster in the reserves, which would be crazy because they'll say four to six weeks. It's only been two. But they've got Branko and Nico Hines. I dare say, please, Craig, don't play Seve on the wing again. After what I watched... That game against the Panthers, that is not a good thing for the team. Yeah, it was bad. So unless Branko's hamstring's buggered, and even Nico, he's more of a fullback or a centre, I don't care. Put him on the wing, reshuffle, push one of the other guys onto the wing, whether it be Olam, Momorovsky, somebody. But mm. I dare say Seve. Here's my bet of the week. Melbourne, Smackdown, Canberra. A little revenge game, I reckon. Well, well I'm tipping the storm. Mainly because of the Ford Pack side of things. But I, don't know I reckon about they'll a, be outsiders. Yeah. I don't know about a Smackdown, but let's see the odds. And the odds, they are just down the outside. Brock would yeah. pick. The Raiders are a $1.80 favourite. $2 for the Storm, minus one and a half. Storm, $2. Load up. So there you go. Brock's bet just straight into the Stormers. Knights, para. Good way to kick off the Sunday action. These Delta. Sunday games have been really, really good. And on the Newcastle side, Edric Lee's out. Tex Hoy is on the wing in his place. Matoudi's out with that head knock. Aiden Guerra starts in the back row. Stafford, Toa and Brody joins. Come on to the interchange. But... Possibility of a late reshuffle. Connor Watson, if he's good to go on the reserves, I dare say he'll probably take the Stafford Toa spot or at least one of those spots. Sami Solo holds his spot there with Jacob Safidi. They were both pretty good last week with the minutes in particular, Jacob. Uh, and for the Eels, Nathan Brown's back from suspension. Let's see if he can last more than one game without getting suspended again. Nia Corey goes back to the bench. He's been outstanding. And finally, we get to see Stefano Utakamano, who's debuting off the bench with Ray Stone and Kafusi going out. So I wonder, you think he's doing a bit of a rotation there? Yeah, probably. So obviously, like, there's big raps on the kid. He's the one who's been signed for the Tigers before the season even kicked off, and he's heading there next year. Mm. They tried to get him early. So clearly a bit of confidence with what they've got in their forward stocks that they can rotate a couple of guys out and get him some game time. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll stick with Parramatta. These, but it's second at, leg of my multi. It's at Newcastle. Parramatta. <clears throat> so it's the first time back up there since uh, the old COVID lockdown but yeah this is a forward pack again challenge that I was looking forward to seeing the Saifides Clemmer etc up against Campbell Gillard Paulo Madison Brown etc uh, definitely looking forward to this forward battle but what are the odds lean towards Parramatta we're both on the eels $1.60 for Para, two forty for the Knights if you like them minus three and a half is the line get on that multi $3.20 and the last one to finish off the round, the Dragons at net straight up against the Manly Seagulls. Tarek Sims is back into the back row, pushing Tyrell Fuimano back to the bench. Corbin Sims is out of the side in the reserves. Ben Hunt is going to start this week. McKinnis straight into 13 jersey. Marin back to the bench, and Jordan Pereira replaces Saab on the wing. And again, for all the carry-on that happened from him for the last two weeks, I think we now see why Jason Saab wasn't playing first grade. Mm. Not that he was terrible, but... He wasn't much better uh, than what they were already getting. Ravalawa's got some errors, but he's probably got their best yardage carry. Pereira's rock solid. He just carries the football. He's nothing outstanding. But Paul Reid from Saab, I don't think his physicality's been that great, and his yardage carries haven't been exactly all that exhilarating. He's mm. probably got a good future ahead of him, but 
again, off the shoulder surgery and a lack of preseason for all the stink that he's kicked up, I just did think it was the right time to do it. So, there you go. Mm. And on the manly side of things, Taniela Paseca starts at prop for the suspended Adam Fanua Blake, and Morgan Boyle is the new man on the bench. Jeez, tough game. Well, it's a hard one. They've now got Garrick playing at fullback with no turbo. You've got Where is this at? Funa. Nat Strider. Yeah. You've now got Adam Fanua Blake out, who's been their absolute rock in the middle. You've got Croker still playing in the halves there, and Levi, like I mentioned the other week, who's pretty up and down. Jeez, so. their bench is thin, isn't it? Cust, Kazuski, you know what? I'm almost. I don't know why they don't. I'm play. gonna go. I'm gonna go manly just because I know they're gonna try harder. Yeah, and I'm with you there. And I honestly think I'd be at the point where I don't have anything against Lachlan Croker, but I'd be going with custom halves. Yeah. I'd be using Croker. I think he's better off at that utility role. But yeah, I think I'd be getting cussed in there with Cherry Evans to play in the halves for now. And the fullback situation. The other week when they had Elliot in the side, now he's not even in the reserves, is he? Or he's in the reserves? I'd bring Brendan Elliot back in. And put him in at yeah, fullback. Job and I push year, Garrick back to the wing. I know Fun has been doing a good job and maybe he's sticking with it for that reason. Parker and Suley stays his centers. Um, and bench options. It's got Corey Riddell in the reserves there. I don't know if that shoulder's good to go, but if he's good to go, I'd probably have him back in the mix as well on my bench. So, um, yeah, similar to you. Stick with Manly. Just purely off effort. And the odds, $1.60 for the Eagles. two thirty for the Dragons. Minus 2.5 is the line. So your best bet, you like the Storm straight up? No, nah, Storm into the Eagles is my multi. But yeah, best bet storm. <clears throat> so two dollars and eels was dollar sixty. What does that get? Three twenty. Twenty twenty twenty. Well, I'm probably just with you. I I just like the fact that the storm are two bucks. Given those odds, I think they're going to be a little bit cranky. Well, I'd like to think so. But yeah, if I was going to a shell of the team that went down there and smacked them up. Yeah. But the resumption. If there was anything else, I was going to take. I know it'd be sound dangerous. What about your tigers? To do this, you but took the tigers, the old warriors line there at minus one and a half. To, oh yeah, to bet you guys by two. Yeah, if I went the warriors, look, I really minus one and a half warriors Broncos like storm. <clears throat> look at that! They, they even give me the one and a half for the storm. Just even. tip against the two worst teams in the comp, which are the dogs and the titans. If you give me, and then just give me power. Why is he saying it's invalid? It's because I've got 10,000 other things in there from a previous bet. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably the yeah. Good times. Too much betting. Too much betting, mate. Because you've got two there that are closed, mate. Oh, what's doing? What have I done? There you go. If you go Warriors, minus one and a half, into the Storm, straight up $2, into Para, $1.60. That's $6.40. And then you odd boost it and push up to seven. Good. Good. More for me and you. But if you're just going to have a straight-up head-to-head crack, I'd just be going to Storm at $2. I think that's good value. Yeah. Just with that forward pack being out, you'd like to think that with Tino, Jesse... <laughs> well, uh, I've just dropped 100 on that. And the likes. Anyway, so. 320, please. Please, God. Uh, there you go. Another week in the books. And that's it's us. Bed, it's bedtime. No, no. Very much bedtime. Everybody out there. Keep uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes. Keep sharing it with any other league lovers. Keep supporting the show. Any feedback or any questions, as always, um, yeah, get us on the inbox. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Inbox. There's one that I forgot from COVID, Brock. I'm sorry. I have to get this in there. Yeah. We also need to give a plug to that. Um... Well, you saw that one, so <laughs> you'll have to have to dig that one out for me. 
Sean Kelly. I'm sorry, brother. I said this to him earlier. The Little Rugby League podcast. Sean Kelly said to me earlier, this was during COVID, but I said, I still like this one. I like these questions. These are the ones we used to get last year about chips and all sorts. He says, we're on death row. We've been sentenced to death row. Yeah. Your last meal, drink, dinner, and a pudding. So I'm assuming that must be a dessert. And you get to watch one game while you're eating it. What's it going to be? Well, dinner. I think we all know where I'm going. I'm going yeah. back to the bucket. Get the kernel in. That's my last feed. Yeah. A drink. It's going to be a Coke. <laughs> Straight up. Straight, full strength. No bullshit. Get the sugar into me. Fill me up. And if it's going to be like a dessert kind of thing, if you made that by pudding, get me a cheesecake. I'm going to go... KF uh, Coke and a cheesecake. Hard to take material. Uh, my wife makes this mustard, garlic mustard chicken tenderloins. Mm-hmm. With broccoli. Delicious. Death row. Forget uh, the broccoli. You're about to die. No, nah, broccoli with that sauce on it is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you smell terrible. With cooking. some mashed potato, which is, again, gold. Um, and drink Coke Zero standard, or if I'm going to sugar in you, grub. You're going to go. Nah, please don't need that shit. And make sure um, you cook up good. I'm going to cook up so much better than you. I'm going to smell great when I got full of KF. Yeah, and for dessert, I'd probably just have a liter tub of um, connoisseur ice ice cream, the caramel chalk caramel brownie. Well, there you go. I'd people. smash a tub of that. There's your answer, Sean. Brock's a classy guy. <coughs> cheap and nasty. I was classy until I punched a litre of ice cream in. A bucket of KF and some chips and gravy and give me a full strength Coke and I'll wash it all down with half a cheesecake and then I'll eat the other half as they put me into the chair and I'll smell real good. Yeah, there's a little the little podcast which has come out for kids, so it's run by a few guys on Twitter. It's called The Little Rugby League Podcast. Um, so get behind them, particularly if you've got little ones that play rugby league. Um, highly recommend it. Uh, and they're, they're trying to get off the ground and do some good things for junior players, which I think is a great idea. So um, I told the boys that we give them a bit of a plug. So there it is. Yeah, get on board. What's the Twitter handle? Uh, it is at Little RL Podcast. There you go. Get on board. Little Rugby League is the line, and at Little RL Podcast. Get on board. And he said, Sean Kelly's one as well. After that meal, we get to watch one game of football. Well, I'd say the game we watched on the weekend. I love watching Storm Roosters. Yeah. If there's a game right now, if not, it'd be an origin game. I'd watch the Titans' only semi-final win, 2010, against the Warriors. Uh, I was at that game. Absolute belter. Yeah. Had about 20 schooners and got in a cab with some billionaire, actually. Said, we want to share a cab. Said, yeah, mate, no worries. And he got dropped off at, on his own island with this massive... Fence gate. I thought he could have at least invited me in for a beer. Yeah, like Nothing. Chuck us a greenback so I can go buy some cans. You're stacked. Surprising. Two just before we go because I forgot. Danny Ayalu asked a similar question about Ponga basically playing exclusively yeah. on one side. So we checked that one off. Out, yeah. And SJ looking good with a forward pack going forward. Again, I question whether that's because of the opposition, but we'll see, Daniel. Cheers for that one. And Josh James Pryor sent me one last week saying that we should start doing a listener multi. So me and you both have a leg and a listener. We pick a uh, leg from the listeners and we have a a, a multi every week between us two. Yeah, let's do it. So next week, Josh, I'll post that up and we'll start getting the listener multi going where we all contribute a leg and we'll see what we can do. Great. So if it was going to be this week, we Just like I need some other idiot to help me lose money. We both like the Storm and Power this week, so we'd probably go those two and then we'd be looking for something else from the listener. A listener, yeah. They'd probably say, go the Broncos. Go pick the dogs. The Tigers. Pick the dogs one to ten. You'd be getting risky as. Yeah. Good. I like it. That's a good idea. Yeah. Nuts out on the table. Get in the hammer. Let's start swinging, baby. Woo!
No thanks. There you go. All right. Have a good week, everyone. There you go, everyone. Enjoy. Make sure rate, review, iTunes, Audio Boom, distribute this, share it with everyone else that loves rugby league, and most importantly, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.